Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we have a very special guest in studio. What's up, Brandon? Yo, yo, yo. How you guys doing? <laughs> we're, we're pretty good. It's been a long time since we had someone in the guest in the in, in the guest chair. In person. In yeah. person. I've got a I've got a Red Bull in my hand. You guys have scotch, so we're on the Well, th- no, this is just American whiskey. Oh, sorry. I, I just Which say, I'm supposed- on uppers. You guys are on downers. Yeah. And you guys both have like ten times as much energy as I do. So hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll all be you know, you don't same. think I'm also on other drugs right now? <laughs> Come on. It's entirely possible. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna be like between you two laughing. Oh You're fucked, god. man. Holy shit. Yeah, hey, uh, by the way, uh, if uh, I don't know what your what your profanity policy is, but uh, if we can't swear this just shut it down right fucking now. Because there's no fucking way, dude. There's no way. Oh. I, mean, I, I mean we try to limit it. We well, you're fucked. You're going to have to put a disclaimer on this one, I think. But Yeah, it's not a big deal. Sorry. Just don't say cunt, and then we'll be fine. Just don't say that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Are you going to bleep that one out? Yeah, I'll bleep that out. Okay. Yeah. So let's just not... Then I definitely won't tell the ending of my pup story, because I can make it through without it. <laughs> Sorry, oh honey. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. So... Um, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering how you and I met because all of a sudden, well, boom, who, who is Brandon? I don't even know well, who Brandon boom, is. You showed up on my YouTube channel out of nowhere and huzzah, here we are. It's you're, you're part of the Overcrest crew. Now you're kind of hanging out with us doing things, but, uh, how did we first meet? Um, so I'll tell you, I'll, I'll preface this. Um, we met several times and you never, uh, ever like seemed to remember me or like, uh, register that I was like a local car guy and you know, that, we ran around like similar scenes the course. and yeah, you got, you know, you're, I mean, you're what, you're the, you're a big name in the local scene. Don't and, give them that. Well, I, sorry. Those are facts. Whether or not you like them, <laughs> hate them. I mean, which is true. And so, uh, the first time I met Chris Clue was at Chad's shop. Um, and Chad they at SCI performance. Chad at SCI. Yep. And Chris was working on the Scirocco, and mm-hmm. he was uh, trying to put in or take out the downpipe, and he was, you know, having a, a little bit of a rough go of it. And <laughs> I am a mechanic, I I, yeah, uh, and I'm learning why so that is. Let's, let's say this, preface this. Mm-hmm. I'm 40, you're 30. Yeah. So at this time, I'm 30, and I'm and he's 20. A child. And he's a 20 year old kid. So let's just keep that in and, mind. And I'll preface this with, and this is, uh, I started. Uh, wrenching is I've been a mechanic since I was 14. I've the only thing I've ever done for a profession, it, it, literally the only way I've ever made money is as a mechanic. I started working for my dad when I was 14 as a mechanic. What were you working on? Golf course. My dad ran uh, runs golf courses. Uh, Do you golf? Nope, hate it. <laughs> hate, hate, hate it. Uh, hate golfers. Hate, go- hate, hate everything so about it. Are you working it. on golf carts or are you working on like, uh, all the equipment? equipment. It, and it's yeah, golf courses have generally you're gonna have like a bobcat, golf carts small engines you know though it's a wide berth of I equipment worked, so. i worked maintenance for a golf course for exactly one week before i quit because yeah you look like, like you're a little soft 4 a.m yeah it's tough yeah and i did, i was like no why would i do this no yeah yeah well he, i he did was, it for, he was born into it so he didn't uh, have yeah i was choice. born into it. my mom and dad both worked at golf courses so uh and was, you you've not you do not golf don't golf hate grass hate everything <laughs> and, and my, my parents met in college in uh, uh botany and uh, i don't i'm not i am so unlike my parents so my dad <laughs> always had me at the golf course and i would always be in the shop 
even when I was a little kid. So I started officially working for my dad when I was 14, like drawing a paycheck. But I had you had always been. There. I literally grew up in the shop. I, you know, I got a welder for my 10th birthday. So <laughs> because uh, he wanted you to, because he was nice, or because he needed something. No, no, fixed no, no. And- I was like, I, I need a welder, Dad, and he's like, okay, like all right. Ten, I, I, I purely like I was, you know, you're like. I'm stoked about an angle grinder. I'm 11, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, so I grew up in shops. I mean, I just always gravitated. You know, I'll tell you this much. You're not getting me to do anything I don't want to do. Uh, and that's, is, that's always been that way? That, yeah, there's no... We are kin in that, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I am not going to do it. I mean, yeah, I... And I'll be my own worst enemy. That's probably one of, you know, it's a, <laughs> it's not a great trait, but so I just grew up in shops and I, I just, I, it, that's where I wanted to be. And that's what I always so did. So enter 20 year old Brandon. So 20 year old Brandon, who's been wrenching for six years, sees Chris Cluel struggling uh, and having a bad time. And I was like, Hey man, do you need a hand? And I got all of, get the fuck out of here. Who are you? I don't need a goddamn thing from you, motherfucker. And, okay, that's uh, a little bit of hyperbole there. I don't think it was well, that Well, absolutely. Bad. It's a little bit of hyperbole. That's what we're, 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 we're telling a tale out of school here, son. You got to you gotta I amp it, it up. I think probably more along the lines of, I'm, I don't need any help, man. I just want to focus on what I'm doing. There's a lot of this. Yeah, yeah, when you get probably. angry, you kind of like, you like lock up. Like you're just like, you internalize your rage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the first time I met uh, Chris Kluhl. Um And then I, the next time I can definitively remember meeting you was at an SCI swap meet. Mm-hmm. I had gotten a bunch of uh, Porsche literature from this uh, Porsche mechanic. That I'm sorry, lived- how do you pronounce it? Literature? No. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I'm not even joking about that. <laughs> Relax. Boom. Relax. Okay. So you nailed have this, it. You have, this, you have this Porsche literature. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this guy that lived right next to the golf course had a 914, and he worked at the uh, Porsche dealership in St. Paul, but it's more like White Bear Lake. But yeah. uh, and he had a bunch of old literature, and he gave it to me because I helped him like clean out his garage. And yeah, I tried to sell me the 914. At this time, I had, it was like, wow, what I want this thing for? I think he offered it for like 2,500 bucks. I turned down one for $400. Yeah, yeah, you live mm. and learn. Uh, but I think I was, everybody's at one point has turned down a 914. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's be realistic. Okay, yeah. everybody's turned yeah. down. Because realistically, it's a Beetle. Okay, so it's... <laughs> no, no, no. That's a mid-engine sports car. Oh, sure. And it it's, it's basically back. a 917, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody that says that is delusional. So okay. uh, I, I, I was at the swap meet, and I knew you were a Porsche guy. And I was like, hey, you might be interested in this, you know, literature I have. And you're like, yeah. And you, you gave me a hundred bucks and it was, hey, nice, uh, nice. How you do? And that was that. And then I, I didn't you know, tell you to fuck off. No, you're like, oh, this, you know, uh, you're happy about it. Uh, it was more positive experience because uh, I had something you wanted versus <laughs> I was the first time I was offering unsolicited uh, help that you didn't want. So uh, and then, I, you know, I went to Euroworks uh, stuff and just, you know, I, I was in, in the scene. So I saw you around, but I never, ever felt like you ever knew who I was or like internalized. You know, uh, so why if, if you're kind of part of like you're on the fringes of the scene all this time and I would consider you. Um, I know you like Volkswagens a lot. Yeah. You know, I know you really do it, but why haven't you never, 
over the course of the time of the show, the swap meet, anything like that, there's no projects. There, you've never shown up with like a project. <laughs> Nothing's ever been completed or done. Are, what's why? I, I, I'm a professional mechanic and I, I've only ever built things for other people and done things for other people. Um, and that's something that I definitely am not happy about. I've tried. I've, I've legitimately tried. I've had projects and it's just, it's been impossible for me to turn down hundreds of dollars to, you know, I, I'm not a rich guy. I've never, I've never had money of, you know, and when you had this opportunity to make money, uh, and uh, you're, you have no money, uh, it's well, really a pretty simple equation. <laughs> I have yeah, yeah. You have some, and you're going to give me some and, of that. And, and so here's the thing too, is that, uh, at some point too, where you get these opportunities to work on all these cars and build things for other people, you kind of get to do all of it with other people's money. And <laughs> at, at some point, now, now the trooper project all makes uh, I'd sense. rather have the money <laughs> and then the like you know I I drive so many I've driven every car you can think of I've I've gotten so many opportunities and I'm always you know for somebody that's not a professional mechanic it probably doesn't make as much sense but if you have been a mechanic and you're I've around heard that it from a lot of and friends. you drive all these cars and you and, and when you're seeing okay like all the bad days as an owner of a car are good days for a mechanic. So, you know, you're having a bad day, dude. You're, you know, you need a, a $8,000 <laughs> engine out engine reseal in your Cayenne. You know, that's a bad day. Uh, that's a great day for me. I'm having I'm a award, great day. Well, yeah, you, then that, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, so when you get the chance to just not only do you, I've, I've, you know, you get to drive all these great cars, work on these great cars, build these projects and get paid. It's really hard to stop and build something for yourself. Well, it's, it's all, I would like to think it's like you're a farmer, necessarily, because you're growing a bunch of food for other people to appreciate, and you get to take the enjoyment of creating in the first place. But at the same time, not like a farmer, you don't get to eat the food. So you're basically no. Here's here's a better edge, and I'm sure it has something to do with this. Where it's like the the old adage of the cobbler, right? So if you're mm -hmm. working on shoes every damn day, all day, last thing you want to do when you go home is work on more shoes. Well, I've never. What is what do they say? Don't ever buy a car from a mechanic. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a that's a thousand percent true. <laughs> that, that is that is one of the true. Dude, my Beetle runs on straight neglect, um, and it's been a very reliable car. But I mean, every it's light's on the dash. Yeah, and. Uh, that's it, the true. That is the true mark of a good engine. Is not how well it runs and the performance numbers it makes when it's new. It's how well it can perform owned by someone that <laughs> hates it. Oh and, yeah, and just neglects it and doesn't change the oil. And I mean, there's that is the true mark of a good engine. The twenty valve from ten valve and twenty valve from Audi is like that. The ABA, the eight valve is like that. I'm thinking so, more like old 80s Toyota motors because yeah, no one really cared about those. Oh, I'm I mean, sorry, the Toyota V8, also yeah, one of the yeah. motors. The, the onesie? Yeah. The UZ or whatever the thing is. The, the one that's yeah. in the in the Land Cruiser, that V8. Oh, and it's yeah. In the, the, it's in the, the big body cars, too. Yeah, yeah, that's a great motor. I mean, yeah. But that's, what's the true, that's the true marker of it, is if it can run abused and neglected and still keeps going. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and like, and also with, with uh, my personal daily TDI, I've been really disappointed. I've been trying to blow that thing up for so long, <laughs> and I've been just waiting. Why, why do you drive a first-gen Beetle? New Beetle, technically, was what they called it. Because it's not very cool. Cause I'm that awesome, dude. I'm that. <laughs> I'm that. It's uh, it, it, in the pantheon of cool cars. That's not what I would. So here's the real reason. Um, so the I think it's hilarious because people, you know, they go, 
that's weird. Like it's a silly car, and like it's you know a lot of people be like, "Ooh, you're driving a Beetle, you're a dude, whatever." Like it's yep. kind of like it's a girly car. Uh, so that's like fuck it, I don't give a shit when anyone thinks. But also, <laughs> um, the real reason why I like the Beetle is uh, historically, back in the day, the air cooled Beetle was a disposable car, and they were so cheap and plentiful that all these historic car builders. Uh, owned them because they're you know they, they and there was so many beetles that got built and modified and owned by uh people that i have a great deal of respect for and historical figures like ed roth ed roth owned 10 different beetles right all who of them ed roth? uh big dad ed big daddy roth i got a rat fink tattoo on my back he was Do a, you really yeah big it's big hot rod builder he uh, yeah he built custom cars uh you know the mysteria and the orbitron uh, he, everyone you you whether you know it or not you know Ed Roth you've seen his cars they're that I don't uh, think there's a tradition the Baja Beetle the Kit Car Beetles the Beetle was always a platform that people did wonky shit with so and then the Baja Beetle was you know a ubiquitous thing to the point where you go on Craigslist in any desert town and you'd search Baja and the number one vehicle that shows up is Beetles so many I mean. Think about a car that got modified so much that so many of them are converted that you can 60, 50, 70 years later, you find everywhere in the country, there's Baja Beetles. So, How are you um, drawing the line from that? <laughs> I'm also curious. This is a new Beetle. Because I'm not going to drive a fucking air-cooled Beetle because I'm I understand, a lunatic. But I'm, so still, I'm still it, trying to draw the, the line. It's the lineage. It's the historical. And I modified it. I lifted it. And... Uh, you know, it's just like an, it's an adage to like the, you know, the sure. air cooled and these people that, you know, did this cool stuff with this platform. And, you know, and that's like Volkswagen. Why, why do like, is Volkswagen the best car company? Do they have the best engineering? No. No, no. But what Volkswagen has is a cult following. And it always, people that drove Volkswagens were, you know, deadheads, weirdos, hippies, crazy people. My grandpa had a Beetle for whatever reason, but. He was an engineer, so it didn't make any sense. But uh, <laughs> should have known better. Well, and he just uh, there's something about the cult of Volkswagen and the people. So here's a little story. Um, I was working at Midwest Motorworks in Hudson, and I drive up to the gas station to get some smokes. And there's a guy in a Vanagon broke down on the side of the road right by the gas station. And uh, immediately driving the lifted TDI Beetle, see this guy in this Vanagon. I mean, you don't even need to. You already know you're going to get along with this guy, <laughs> you know. So I hook, uh, I hook uh, his his Vanagon up to the Beetle. I tow it back to the shop. Uh, we get back there. Uh, we helped him get his van fixed. Had a, a distributor issue. Um, got him back on the road. He was traveling from Maine. He's in you know Hudson, Wisconsin. Uh, he gives us a bag of ditchweed and uh, heads on his way. And uh, you know, those are the kind of things that the cult of Volkswagen. Th those are the. That's what I love about Volkswagens. They're terrible cars in a lot of ways, but that cult, that that group of people that own them, you're out in the world and and you just you know something about this person, just because they're driving a Vanagon or you know, there's something about it. People that drive buses, every every old bus has a deadhead sticker is, on it. Everyone in a cult is willing to kill themselves. <laughs> that's, that's true. So, and, but, and, and, I'm not Jim Jonesy myself, dude. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm just saying that if. It takes a lot to suffer through driving a Vanagon across the country because it is in some parts of the country, especially at elevation. What do you mean suffer? Well, it's just it's a lesson I learned. Um, I, I, I we're going to get a big disagreement right now. I'm going to take it back. So that would, <laughs> so before 
that was something I guess what what would what would the what would you call that? Which is something that just slipped out. Something I would have said uh, a lot before I drove the Pinto. How about this? The common person would think that would not be a comfortable experience. That, that was me, but because before I drove the Pinto, I was you know suffering in in and thinking I would suffer in elevation. I think going so slow, it's so awful, it's terrible. But once you're doing it and you get over the fact that that's the that that it's happening to you, you, you just accept. You, you accept it, and it becomes just part of what you're doing. And especially if you're a hippie in a van, you don't really have to be anywhere anyway. You right. just kind of cruise up the mountain at 40 miles an hour. No big deal, bro. Yeah, vehicles shift the paradigm of your experience. So I went to Italy. I rented that Vespa because a Vespa is the correct vehicle to see Italy on, and it 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 goes the right speed. It's convenient. It does all the things. And it's the you want to have a vehicle that's the right vehicle for what you're doing. But then also, if you have the wrong vehicle, um, it's going to shift your perspective on what you're doing and cause you to do different things. You wouldn't go on the highway, the freeway with the Pinto, you know, or you got a slow vehicle. You're not going on the freeway sure with a Vanagon. Well, yeah, you can, <laughs> but it, it uh, an air cooled or a Vanagon is going to push you off the freeway inherently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will also say, when you bitched all about that Pinto being so slow, I drove a, a Ranger. On 33s with the same motor, uh, and it would not what? even do Why? 60. Why? Because I bought it in Washington. It was cool. It was the coolest thing I found at the time where I was. So let's let's take the opportunity to explain what you do when you go buy these cars. That's a good segue into that. So you flew out. Tell me about not necessarily getting the Ranger, but just your philosophy behind some of the road trips you do and some of the cars you've acquired. Yeah, so I, I love to road trip, and uh, the worst part about road tripping is is the the twelve to fourteen hours from Minnesota to anywhere cool. That's just the <laughs> reality of it. It's brutal. It's brutal, and I've done so many trips, and I've driven across country so many times. It's even more brutal because I've taken every Different way route. you can. There's nothing left to see. Why are you still here then? My wife. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> women. Minnesota is is weird because women. that's not the case anywhere else. Maybe like Southern no. Texas is kind of would be kind of West brutal. Texas is really brutal. It's brutal to get out of. Yeah, but, but like other than that, Minnesota, we're kind of on this island here where it does take that long to get anywhere interesting. It, yeah, and that's part of the deal. So um, inherently, and the cars are all rusty here, and the rust kills. You know, you're just you're not going to buy. You're not even going to find someone from the '80s that you can just buy and drive here. Yep. And so you're like, obviously, and then another factor is all my friends have moved away because, you know, they, uh, cause it's 12 to 14 hours. Well, they're also, all my friends are much more successful and higher achieving than me. So, you know, they're, <laughs> all, my friends have now, uh, planted themselves across the entire West coast of the United States, which is very convenient. Cause I'll just go, Hey, I'm flying into Seattle. Darren, pick me up. <laughs> and Darren picks me up. I'm like, Darren, which, which one of your 14 cars can I drive around? Uh, whichever one you want. Cool. You know? Sure. Uh, so I, you know, so you buy a ticket, you fly out, you see what happens. Uh, and yeah, I just, you know, I, I got to visit my friends anyways. I want to go see them. I want to go to and see them. The West coast where all the cool cars are at. So you fly into a city you get on Marketplace, you get on Craigslist, and there's going to be something worth buying any day. 365 days a year in America, there's something worth buying. As long as you're open-minded. Oh, you yeah. You have to be well, open-minded. Uh, I bought, uh, you know, the list of cars, 86 Forerunner, 86 Ranger, 87 Cherokee, uh, 93 Mitsubishi Pajero. Uh, Which I almost bought. And he yeah, sold yeah, you fucked. We, I fucked up. I should have not sold that. Before is when I oh, just Oh, that's right. It was a right-hand drive import car. Yeah. Yeah, they gotten smashed in the container. Big shout out to Darren. Darren hooked me up with that deal. Uh, this guy Soto Moto out of uh, 
Seattle, he uh, does importing, has the coolest warehouse. Dude, his place is the shit. And uh, he got this Pajero. He imported it, and it got damaged in shipping, and he just didn't want to deal with the hassle, so he sold it to me for a – I'm not even going to tell you what I paid for it. It's kind of <laughs> – you know, he, he did. He, and Darren hooked me up with the deal, and so I got hooked up by two different people on that deal, and it, it worked out real nice. That, that was, that was a great you, deal. Here you were about to sell it. And I was in between cars. I can't, I don't have extra money. And yeah. I'm like, because I have a 911, I must have extra money. I don't have extra money. So every car it's all is like. in the 911. Yeah, sell a car, buy a car. That's yeah, the way it is for me. you also employ your money. You're always doing something. Yeah. And that takes capital. Yeah, it's sell a car, buy a car. I yeah. cannot buy a car until I sell a car. So I'm at this point where he's got this Pajero for sale. I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to figure out, I don't know what I got instead. What did I buy? Like the AMG, the Mercedes? The M5. Oh, the M5 is oh, what I bought. right. Yeah, well, there you go. I don't know what I sold to get that. I don't even remember. I'm just I don't remember how so that all worked anyway. out. But, I, but it was like, I was like a week. Yeah, it could have happened. Time. I'm glad it didn't because. Because uh, then I'd have that. And then yeah, well, there's a lot of. Yeah, well, and then the trooper never would have happened. That's true. You just would have had that. And then, you know, it was a great rig. I sold it to buy a house. Um Closing on the 22nd of December. I'm Congratulations. Super, super. You made enough super, money to buy a super, house. Super, super, super excited. I could not tell you how fucking excited I am to get out of my <laughs> fucking apartment. That I, and have I, a garage. I, I, oh, and a dope garage. Yeah. I am so <laughs> excited. My wife just graduated. The last nice. four years of my life have been terrible. Not terrible, but brutal. Arduous. Many things. Not good. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, things are things are looking up in my world right now. <laughs> so how many times have you done this where you will buy a one-way ticket to wherever and just bring a random car home? Random car, five or six. Uh, I've, done, I've, uh, I've bought other cars. Right. Because I've sold but cars. What, what I think is most unique and interesting is not having any particular car. Like, we've all dri or like gone across country to buy a particular car, right? right. Yeah, yeah. And but not, a lot of times I'm not picky. I'll Anything cool is fine. But sure, but you have it lined up. You have a deposit. You have something going right. on, you right? Go, you just go figure This, out. you have no idea what you're doing until you get there. That's next level. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, I mean, dude, with, <laughs> I hate all the things, I hate a lot of stuff about Facebook, but it's, you know, it makes this stuff so convenient and easy. Also, I have a total disregard for law. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of implications about these, uh, you know, as far as when you're doing, you got to be willing to just buy a car, throw the title in the glove box. And then I've, I pretty much, I think I've got a hundred percent success rate on getting pulled over for something. <laughs> And, okay. you know, and you always had that conversation with the cop. What are you doing? Where are you going? Where did this car come from? And you'd go, I bought it there. I'm driving it here. What the, you know. So <laughs> you got to do it. Every time I do this, too, I get pulled uh, over and ask the same question. My absolute favorite of all time, though, is I'm in the 86 Forerunner. I'm in a, a state park. I have an expired driver's license. Uh, no insurance. Uh, and uh, I was going 70 and a 30. And oh. I crossed, I, I passed a bunch of cars on a double yellow. <laughs> and this cop pulls me over and, and he goes, hey, I can't have my license. And I'm like, yeah, I know that's expired. Yeah, I don't have insurance. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, dude, this is, this is a completely <laughs> fucked situation. And uh, uh, the guy goes, do you know I pulled you over? And I'm like, no. <laughs> go, yeah, I absolutely know you pulled me over. And he goes, he goes, well, you, I didn't get you on radar. I don't know how fast you were going, but you also can't pass on a double yellow. And I go, 
uh, you can't do that here? <laughs> and the guy goes, son, you can't do that anywhere. <laughs> so you're just like, hey, but you know, you got to be willing to roll. I, trust me, I... I'm a risk taker. I have zero aversion to risk. <laughs> the only time I this enjoy is life is you, risk. You, you so, married a, a lawyer. It's not. Uh, it's very nice. She keeps my affairs in order. I need in-house <laughs> legal counsel. So uh, she's, yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it, it was the right move for me. She's in charge of all the paperwork, everything, and I'm in charge of the fun and then whatever else I do. I don't really know. I'm not sure how I contribute to that relationship totally, but uh, I tell her she's pretty every day and I tell her I go. love her constantly. Yeah. So, you know, love and adoration does go far in this world. So, so you've got this right. Ranger. You've got all these other uh, vehicles, but there's one trip in particular that I'm very curious about. And uh, before we get into that, what have you got for us, Jay? Yeah, let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications, all the latest and greatest in the industry sent right there to your doorstep every single month. And there's actually two different levels of subscription to choose from. The Petrol Box Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the Petrol Box Premium gets you even more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. Do you think we should tell everybody what our plan is, what we're going to do, you and I? I don't know. You, dude, you're in charge of the PR. You're in charge of literally. Okay. I'm just doing the work. You you decide. I, I you're not even doing all the work. Well, you are doing all the work. Well, yeah, just, you're not doing all, all the work, work, but you know what I mean. So you know what I mean. Here's, here's the plan. Jake, I don't know if I, we've told you this. Here's the plan. Here's what him and I are going to do sometime this winter. And apparently, with the plan that he likes to come up with, we can do whatever the fuck we want plan, to. Plan, no plan, baby. Plan, no plan. <laughs> okay. Georgia. Mobile. We're going to fly. Oh, that's Alabama. Right. We're going to fly you into your Mobile, cities. Alabama. Okay. You like how I obtain an accent there just for a second? We're going to fly to Mobile, <laughs> Alabama. Right. We're going to put our cell phones in a box and we're going to mail Faraday our cage. We're going to mail our phones back to our wives. What? Yeah, and we're going to have basically flip phones. I'm, not, I'm oh, doing okay. no phone. Okay. I don't need a fucking flip phone. I'm, I don't need to talk to anybody. I'm trying to work on the no flip phone too, but my wife has given me a little bit of okay. a hard time. I, I, yeah. Okay. You don't have to use it, but you can have it on you. Yeah, yeah, right. just kind of like an emergency, you okay. know, emergency Whatever. phone. Whatever. Yeah, I, you could do that with no, your own no phone, phone. No too. data, just no internet. Off. That's the real key to I this. Wanted, I told her I wanted to get a calling card. I'm like, I'll buy a calling card before I leave, and I can use. I think it. you just try you and dial. find a payphone. Yeah, yeah. no, that's. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just for a, I think it'll be a great okay, story. So, we're gonna fly down there. We're gonna just we're gonna find something and bring it home. How are you going to get something without a phone to either call people or look something up? Well, you can, you got to talk to people. Yeah, you, you walk up to them. Okay, so that's part of the bar. deal. Can I please use your phone? Can no. I can I give a call? Why not? I have never not gotten what I needed. If I'm if I need something, I can you know I figure it out. I was uh. I broke my mirror off my Vespa in Italy and I go into this mechanic shop and I just walk in and I'm like, I like, like I literally was like pointing at the guy's tool cart and I'm like, I am like no Italian. Fuck it. I'm like, this is what I need. And he's like looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing in here? And I was like pointing it. I got the tool and I fixed my shit. And you know, you just, you, you just make it work, dude. You got to make things. You just make it work. Have you ever been outside the grocery store? Next time you go, uh -huh. look, there's still trading times. Outside the grocery store to this day, where you can pick it up and look. Maybe in, cars in your it. neighborhood. 
Well, <laughs> you snob. <laughs> Jesus. Good grief, man. Well, there, there probably are in, in downtown Go get in your Porsche yeah. and drive back to your house in the hills. <laughs> the hills of Woodbury. Yes. Yes. Woodbury, Woodbury, baby. Yeah. So that's the plan. We're going to go there. We're going to find a car, uh-huh. which may, maybe that means going to a shop and being like, hey, uh, Cletus, is there, do you know of any vehicles around the here for sale? The only saving grace is that you will have a camera recording yourself. Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. people are going to no, be like, that's not who true are you? Why are you on meth and you can't afford a phone? No, that's and not get away true at all. No, no, I don't think that's no, true. No, that's not true at people, all, man. People absolutely, despite popular uh, sentiment, as you would see on social media and the media and everything else, everybody, 99% of people are nice. No, and also people, dude, in this time and, and it, right help. now, yeah. people crave actual social interaction. That's true. They don't realize it a lot of times. And if you can bring... Uh, a little bit of ability to have social interaction to the table. People love it. I can't tell you how many times I've gone over to people's houses and they're like, ah, they're like, you know, they give you the, we got to get going to bed here soon. And then you're there four more hours. Cause they're like, I'm actually having, you know, Oh people, no, that was just uh, yeah. you not actually reading the signs. Oh no, 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 no. You just push right through that. You push right through that. It's usually the wife. You got to watch out for the wife. Yeah. You, you steamroll her and then you house. have a great time. But no, I, my point is just, yeah, it works out. You, people just don't, Dude, people have lost the ability to just talk to each other, communicate, like, you know. That, sh- that lady at the hardware store in one of our episodes that we had recently was I a pretty good example that. of that. The, the lovely lady at the hardware store that owned the hardware store. Yeah, and she was great. She had actual ability to, you know, talk like a person to a person. And But here's the thing is a lot of people would walk in there and go, I don't need any help. And they would shut her down immediately, which, right. is, which is too bad. Anyways, I want to hear about this trip. The, the big one. The big trip. The big one, which is a trip I want to do. We, we I didn't know you did this until I mentioned you like, hey, man, I would really like to go to Baja, California. Right. And you're like, well, I've been there. And I went, what? Oh, yeah. And then this story started to pour out of your mouth. Let's, let's, how did this trip to, all to, right, to all Mexico? Right, well, hey, let's, if we're going to tell this story, I want to tell it how I want to tell it. And I want to start at the Absolutely. actual beginning of this story. I got to set the stage for what happened in my life. So okay. let's 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 uh we're we're gonna move back to uh, spring of 2012. Okay. So it's it's uh <clears throat> spring of 2012. Um, I'm three and a half years into doing nothing at the U of M other than spending a heinous amount of money, <laughs> uh, and I drop out of college. I have no job. I have no money. I have a mountain of debt, and I am fucking lost. I am. I am lost in life. You know, have you ever been there? You've been just lost in life? Every day. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen my Instagram stories? I am lost all the time. Yeah, well. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 You, you, you're at a point in your life where things didn't work out how you thought. They, you know, it's just you're fucking lost, man. You're lost. You're broke. I was lost and broke and fucking depressed and everything you don't want to be. And then uh, somebody I thought was a friend of mine stole basically everything that I hadn't already lost. So I went from down to down and out. This dude stole all my tools. So a mechanic without tools is just a guy that knows stuff. <laughs> you're not useful. You're not employable. Uh, yeah, you're just so. So I, I mean, I was at the lowest point in my life before he stole everything from me. And then I went from as low as I thought you could go 
to much lower. I didn't know you could go that low. Uh, and I mean, I, I didn't know where we were going or what was going to happen or, you know, I was, I was really in a, a spiral, you know, a legitimate depressive spiral in life. And I'm walking through dinky town to get a pack of smokes. And here's here, here, here's sitting in front of the tobacco shop are these two dusty looking fellas on, uh, on, on dual sport riding, you know, motorcycles. And uh, they're all dirty, geared up, and I'm like, "Well, I got to talk to these guys, you know." <laughs> and they, uh, these dudes, Kyle and Eric, uh, they lived in Utica, New York, upstate New York, mm-hmm. and they're moving to San Francisco and decided to sell everything they had, buy dual sports, and road trip across the country on these bikes together. And I mean, I was just beyond intrigued, you know. Um, had you thought about any kind of traveling or road trips or anything at this point in your life? Is this something that had kind I, of... I had done a very small amount of traveling. Um, I'd done a couple little road trips. I've always liked cars. I've always liked driving. Um, but, you know, you go from high school to college, see so no money to, to less money. <laughs> so, the, you know, it's hard to do this stuff with no money. You got to have at least a, a little money. So it wasn't a reality. It's something I was interested in. And de- yeah, definitely something I had always, you know, I've, I have ha- always had ambitions to see the world. I've traveled, you know, a good amount. And it was something I never got to do as a kid. So I always wanted to do, definitely wanted to do. But at this point, I'm, you know, no, no, haven't done it, you know, wanted to, thought about it. But, and yeah, so these guys, uh, they were just driving across the country, and they and they landed in Dinkytown. We ended up hanging out the whole afternoon. Um, I went with them, and I got them some weed. They were out of weed, <laughs> so I got some uh, got some weed for them. They were really stoked about that. They let me ride their bikes. They were, you know, we just we hung out. They slept at my place that night, and uh, I mean that was fucking it, though. That was the answer. That I, I, you know, the the uh, I was a lost soul, and I just got the fucking answer to what you know. What was the answer? The answer was I'm gonna buy a fucking motorcycle and I'm gonna go somewhere. I'm not saying it was a good answer. It's not <laughs> like you know this didn't solve all my problems in life. But when you're when you're remember, I was so down and out. I mean, when you're so down and out that you literally don't even know what life. You know, I'm not saying I thought about killing myself, but you know, you're just like, I don't even know where to go from here. So buying a motorcycle and, and going somewhere seemed like a very logical, reasonable thing to just do. It like it was, you just is it you didn't want to be where you were? Like or just no, anywhere man, else? I, I needed better? something. Needed I needed something. I just needed something to happen in my life. Mm-hmm. When you when you drop out of college, you have no job, you have forty thousand dollars in student loan debt, you have zero dollars in your bank account, and then you get robbed for the little bit of what you did have, which at that point was a lifetime's accumulation of tools. Uh, yeah, I needed anything, you know, I literally needed anything. So I got a job as a machinist cause I, I, I didn't have tools, so I couldn't get a mechanic job. You know, you can't, what are you gonna do without tools? So I had to go get a different job and I got a, I got a job working as a machinist in this, uh, machine shop, which, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> uh, I literally bullshit my way into that job. Yeah, and then like, until you make it. Yeah, I did. Yeah, the guy's like, "Here's a print. Here's a bridge port. Make this." I'm like, "We'll see how this goes." <laughs> uh, and and it actually went pretty well. Pretty well. I mean, I'm I'm a you know when you've been a mechanic, you've, you've worked with your hands your whole life. I'm not an idiot, and I'm a you know. I picked it up really quick. Uh, I worked there, 
And I managed to buy the fall. I scraped together enough money to buy a 1989 KLR650. Um, this is like one of the most common uh, dual sports, probably like the lowest entry dual sport uh, bike. It's not an impressive bike. It's just, it just is what it is. But I got it for like an 800 bucks. It was roached. It's as old as I am. <laughs> it burned. I, I had to fill up oil every time I filled the tank. It burned that much oil. But I had a dual sport. I had this, I, you know, I knew where I was going to, you know. So what would this bike be used for? Like if you were, like if it was brand new. Everything. Well, okay. <laughs> the Swiss Army knife of motorcycles. Okay. I don't know shit about motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. This so. is the, the KLR is like, a, a, it's like a Jeep Wrangler. You can drive it around town. You can take it off road. You can sort of haul some stuff. You can do a lot, a little bit of everything. It doesn't do anything really great. Who makes great. this thing? Uh, Kawasaki. Okay. Uh, they, uh, the KLR 650 the motor design didn't change from 86 to 2000 and now. Was this two-stroke? Four-stroke. Four-stroke, four stroke, 650s. But it burned oil like it was a two-stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I had this bike, and and uh, I'm working a shit ton because, you know, when you, you know, it's, I was broke, got to make money. And the first opportunity I got to uh, use this thing was uh, Thanksgiving. I got four-day weekend. And I got four days. Where's the coolest place I can go from Minnesota on my bike in four days? Black Hills. Mm -hmm. It's Thanksgiving weekend, November. I cold. It's cold. So, I mean, I literally, uh, I bought some uh, army, uh, the ammo cans. I made some like, you know, luggage. I made a luggage rack, bolted two army cans to this bike, threw some gear on it and fucking left for the Black Hills. Didn't look at the weather. <laughs> didn't think about anything. I mean, I didn't, you know, I just, we're going to, we're just doing it. We're doing it live, man. We're just going to do it. <laughs> uh, I, the, the, <laughs> I'm just waiting to hear if this was a good idea or a bad yeah. idea. Well, I'm uh, waiting to see how far you got. Well, I got to the first day I got to the Chamberlain River. I got to Chamberlain on the river, I hit a snowstorm. Ooh. I'm on a motorcycle. It's 10 o'clock at night. Uh, it's snowing, which is not a great thing on a motorcycle. Uh, and I had to pull over. And it was probably 30s all day that day, which is fucking cold. Yeah. And so I get a hotel room, uh, and I'm like, well, fuck. We'll see what happens. I wake up the next morning, and it went from 35 to 15. Oof. So it's now 15, and I have no gear. Like, I have gear. I have a helmet, but I don't have any kind of heated gear or adequate stuff to ride in 15-degree weather. But I just soldiered on, and uh, that that day I managed to make it from there to Deadwood. And I remember— How many miles is that, you think? Ooh, fuck. That's a full—I mean, I rode all day uh, 500, 400. I don't okay. know. It's a lot. Wow. It's, a, yeah. it's a long ride. Um. And I mean, I was on the bike the whole day. Uh, I get to Deadwood, rode in. Rode, it snowed ever. I was riding on the. It snowed. You know, there's snow. <laughs> what kind of looks are you getting from people? <laughs> the kind I always get. What's this idiot doing? Uh, and I make it into Deadwood. I've got like. I mean, I was. I had total hypothermia. Uh, I slept in my sleeping bag in my hotel under the covers with the heat on full blast because I was like that <laughs> hypothermic. 
I woke up at like four in the morning, just pouring in sweat because I'm in a 15 degree sleeping bag under covers <laughs> with the heat on and full blast. But you know, uh, I made it, and then and Deadwood's a dope town. I wake up the next morning, it's like 35 again. Oh, oh, fuck! This yeah. is compared to 17, 35. It might as well have been 100, and so <laughs> might as well have been in Florida, you know. Um, and I spent that day riding around the Black Hills, and just you know, no plan. No timeline, just me. And I, just, I, I mean, it was one of the best. It was probably the first good day I'd had in I don't even know how long, you know. And it was just. The human mind gets really acclimated to, to depression. You get really used to being that way. And then when you were you shocked by what it felt like to have a good day? I mean, did it? It was something more than that. It was like a transcendent thing, man. You know, I guess it's just like it. It was like, holy fuck, you know. You just you just had a really great day, and it was a great experience, and it was just it. And 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 like I said, I had no plan and no real idea about what I was doing, and like I had no idea why this was my mission. And then like that day made it all worth it, right there, where you go. I was right, you know. The the universe said, "Hey, talk to these guys." I talked to those guys. I got this just one track thing in my head and it was the right thing. You know, it was the right thing. It was, it was what I needed. It did what it needed to do. And it was fucking awesome. Now the ride back was fucking miserable, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and with, uh, with great joy comes great suffering. Um, so I wrote, like, I, <laughs> so I, so I'm leaving the black Hills and I ride into the badlands, which is, uh, east of the Black Hills. So I'm just riding out, and I just, uh, I was like, I'll just ride through the Badlands, whatever. Which and isn't I'm, a big place. It's not a big place. No, it's, no, it's no. Very it's small. not. Take you, in a car, it takes you 30 minutes to drive through it. Right. It's not big. So I'm on the KLR, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hitting forest roads and whatever. So I'm riding through the, the I, I hop off the paved road, and I hop onto, like, you know, one of the, there's just Jeep roads, whatever. And I'm riding along this, and I'm cruising, and then I see a washout. And I'm going way too fast to stop, so you just we'll see what happens. And I just blast this washout, and I didn't go down, but I made it probably I don't know 50 yards past the washout, and the bike the motor locks up. The bike just comes to a grinding halt, like like it felt like the motor locked up. And I uh, what actually happened was when I hit that washout, the uh, I had a strap strapping my gear bag onto the seat and it, it like the, the the suspension compressed so much the wheel hit that strap and sucked it into the chain and like wound into like it ripped the whole strap out and like my gear and everything got wound up in my back wheel and locked the motor up and in the sun setting and I'm like taking the wheel off I had some tools with me I, I had to take the wheel off I get it all off uh, I get it unwound I have to figure out how to resecure my shit because my straps now fucked. Uh, and then I go to start the bike and it won't start. And I'm like, what the fuck? Cause it had cooled off by that time. No, yeah. no, 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 no starter. No, nothing. I have oh. no electrics. Okay. Oh, so now it's dark and I'm trying to figure out the electrics on this KLR. What had also happened when that strap got sucked in, all this shit happened. The, there, the, that, that year KLR used glass tube fuses and it somehow like shattered the fuse box. So I lost, uh, my fuses <laughs> So I, 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 you know, it's dark. I'm like fucking with this fuse box. I finally get the thing to start, but I have no headlights, but it's running. So I'm like, well, fuck it. This is good enough. We're getting the fuck out of here. Clouds or no clouds that night? I don't remember. It was d d a dangerous, 
dark, but I rode for like 30 miles down 70 with no headlights till I found a, a town with a gas station and like something that looked like resembled somebody that would know something. And I went over to this, there was this gas station, there was like a big Quonset hut building behind it. And I'm like, what? There's a light on in that Quonset hut building. That guy, there's somebody in there and that guy's got this, there's something, I'll be able to fix my problem with whatever's going on in that shop. And I, I rode up to the shop, I knock on this door and he had one of those like uh, steel security doors with the little square window yeah. at, so you can look through uh, it. You know what that's called? No. A Judas hole. <laughs> Really? Yeah, that's called a Judas hole. That's basically anytime you have a prison or not like a peephole, a Judas hole is always a little bit bigger, but it goes on a big steel door, and that's what you look through is you look through a Judas hole. If you were in prison or the gulag or something like that, that's what it would be. Or a speakeasy. Same thing. Speakeasy, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so I knock on this guy's door and and this dude's like came through and like slammed his head through like that and like scared the ever loving shit out of me. And I was like, Oh my God. I, it was like, it was hilarious. And he opens the door and it's this uh, native American dude. Super cool. Coolest dude ever. He was laughing his ass off at how scared I was. And he's like, what's going on, man. And I'm going to the shop and he's got like a full on auto shop. Uh, go in there, roll the bike in, take the seat off, got lights, get my lights working on my bike. Uh, and rode home from there. Um, Made it to where's the corn palace? You know the corn palaces? I do. Yeah, I, I yes and no. Yeah, it's South Dakota. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, so what I, sucks about the corn palace is it's ma- mainly not corn. It's the dumbest. It was. Let's not even talk about the corn palaces. <laughs> we're giving it way too much uh, attention. So I go to the town where the corn palace is, and I, I get a motel that night. And again, it's now it's probably twenty five. So it's we're back in the hypothermia territory. But it was awesome. This hotel allowed smoking. I'd never been in a hotel that allowed smoking. <laughs> And I fell asleep with the ashtray on my chest with a cigarette in my mouth oh, no. and woke up with the ashtray still on my chest somehow, which is like, <laughs> I'm like, how did that even happen? Uh, and then uh, I, rolling home, I uh, stop in Mankato just to get gas. And there's this news crew filming people in Mankato. And this lady comes over and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And ended up filming me. And I made it on the, the Mankato, like local access news. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy, uh, my buddy, Sully's family's, uh, his dad said the family's from down there. And they, they, he, Sully goes, you're on the news. You know that? I go, yeah, yeah, I knew that. He's like, the lady recorded me. How would I have not known that? <laughs> so I got home from that trip and the, the hook was set deep, 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 deep. You know, I mean, that was, it was such an unbelievable experience in my life. And, um, you know, so now it was like, well, now I got to go on a real, uh, you know, those guys went from Utica to, to San Francisco. I'm like, I got to go on a, a big trip. And right, before we get into your big trip, what have you got for us, Jake? Yeah, let's take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk Car Care is your source for professional detailing compounds and supplies that are research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys that are passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a good product because they're using it on their own cars. They truly are good products. They have their awesome two-step foolproof one, two, polish and cut compound set, and it gives an amazing finish. Right now, they're actually offering a whopping 20% off your order when you use the code OVERCREST. That code is good not only at OBERCCARCARE.com, but also on DetailedImage.com and CarSuppliesWarehouse.com. Go check them out. All right. The big trip. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, I got to go on a big trip, um, and I'm thinking, you you know. kind of expecting, like, okay, I had this much of a feeling here. If I go on a big trip, it's going to be even better, or why did, what made you feel like you needed to do something bigger than what you'd already done? Uh, you know, I'd never really, like, I'd, I, I'd never taken any time off, really. I, I always worked and worked and worked and worked and was in school and worked, and I'd never really taken any subs, you know, a, more than a week off ever in my life um, from the time I started working. So I was like, man, I think it's really a good at, you know, where I was in life, I was like, you know, I want to take a long, I want to, I want to break away from life. We're going to break away from life and we're going to come back to it and try something new. And, you know, it felt like the right thing to do. Right. Again, I, you know, I'm in a better place now as far as mentally, I, you know, I'm feeling better. I'm not in, you know, this horrible spiral depression. Uh, but you know, none of my other problems in my life were solved. Right. I still had a shit ton of debt. I was working as a machinist at this place, but I mean, I'm not going to do that for 50 years as far as it was, you know, not a place you could have, there was no career potential there. Uh, and so I still had major, major problems, you know, but those problems didn't look so bleak anymore. You know, I I was like, I got, I, I, you know, you'd see the sunrise. Good things can happen again. I can figure this out. So I figured, you know, man, I, I can save up some money. I can, uh, you know, just break away from life for a few months and I'll, you know, reevaluate. I, I, and I thought to my, I think, I, I think ultimately it's like, is there any possible way to, what's a better way to reevaluate your life? There's, I don't think there's any better way possible than to take uh, a, a sabbatical from life right. and really think about things, you know, and really get perspective on what, what you know, everything. Going on a, a, a multiple-week, multiple-month trip, I don't think there's a better possible way to really gain perspective on your life. How especially, long do you think it takes? Especially solo. I'm trying to think. I've done, you know, I've traveled a lot, but I've never traveled solo that I'm realizing it's on a big trip. It's incredible. It's, 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 it's the best thing ever. You're just with yourself in your own mind. How long do you think it takes for you to get that? that reset, right? You know, some people like go do something for a day, two days, three days, five days, 10 days, but you're talking two, three, four weeks a month. How long do you think it takes in your mind to, to get the reward that you're talking about? At least a month. I just, it was just in Italy for two and a half weeks. And, uh, by two and a half weeks, I settled into, I had successfully departed life, but I had not gotten to a point where there was any enlightenment happening and I was just the all of life had washed away right in time for me to fly back to life so I think you got to go at least a month I think a month things start happening that's a a month's a long time you know it's enough time you know it's to to really depart from everything the stresses the routine all the old stuff washes away you develop new routines you're forced to and that's a big part of like why I think the the going on a trip is the that a critical part of that, like first step of reevaluating your whole life, you got to wash all the old away. And if you still live in the same place, work at the same place, hang out with the same people, go to the same bar, go to the same place, you can't ever do that. If you leave and you're on the road, you have to. You're forced to. There's nothing from your old life out there. Yeah, you're so, forced into new experiences. So yeah, uh, and a month, you know, a month is good because that first month you wash it all away, and the second month you reevaluate. So. I knew I wanted to go for at least two, possibly three months. Um, and I managed another stroke of luck that happened was 
my dad's uh, longtime head mechanic uh, left uh, the golf course, and he had no mechanic. And he offered me a job. He goes, yeah, well, you know, I know you can do this job. And he said, uh, I'll let you have the whole winter off. Mm. So I was like, well, ding. Yeah. <laughs> Bing. I got three months. Perfect. I got a, I doubled my pay. And I got three months off starting December 1. Fucking mint. This, it's all coming together. So I go, what can I do in three months? What's the right trip? Where do I go? Panama. Panama and back on the KLR. It's a good three-month trip. Why Panama? Why not Alaska? The, the or- Darien Gap. Uh, winter, got to go south. Yeah. And the Darien Gap. Those are your two answers. You were all question. done with winter at that point. You didn't. Well, yeah, but also you know, I want to ride a motorcycle. You know, you're going to go somewhere where it's warm, right? right. And, and uh, yeah. What is the Darien Gap? I'm not familiar. Uh, it's the swampy region between the southern tip of Panama and the northern part of uh, Colombia. So like it's the, also known as the death zone. Yeah, where they built the, the, the where they built the Panama Canal was because that was like the wettest, easiest possible place, and that's like the Panama Canal is now the separation of like where the Darien Gap starts. And it's just it's a big marshy wetland, and then Colombia ascends into its mountainous landscapes out of the Darien Gap. How many so. cars do you think are sitting in the Darien Gap right now? Uh, none, because you can't. It's not even a feasible thing. Uh, well, there's uh, three tried. jeeps. Yeah, three people jeeps. Have tried yeah, many times. People, oh, really? uh, some guys yeah. took some DR350s through there. Um, Normally, what you do is you put your car in a, in a container. No, you a ferry or, or ferry, yeah, and, and you a, ship it over to Columbia. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. You just you, go around you, it. You, you go around yeah. it. So uh, yeah, and, and and it's a good length. Panama and back in three months is a good. It's a good amount of time. It's like a, it, it all works out. You know, made sense. So I'm gearing up. To do this, and I'm working, doing side same jobs. Bike. Same bike, KLR 650. And you've, and you've maybe put new rings in? No. <laughs> okay. So, and, uh, and I'm kind of set on this, and I'm, you know, and it's like, it's just, you know, you're in the, you're in the grind, you're working, uh, and you're just, you know, December 1's the day. December 1's the day. And then I'm at home one night, and uh, a little movie comes on uh, the TV, on like the Discovery Channel or whatever. Uh, it's uh, Dust to Glory. It was a film a guy made about the Baja uh, 1000 race. It was uh, about like the end of the the XR650 era, the end of Johnny Campbell. And uh, I, I this film comes on and I watch it. And, uh, you know, you ever been, uh, you ever had a girlfriend and then you meet another girl and then you don't even want to talk to that girl anymore? <laughs> so I watched Dust to Glory and I never swung a leg over that KLR again. It was done. I mean, you're just like, fuck, well, f- fuck Panama, fuck this bike, fuck everything. I'm getting an XR650 yard. I'm going to fucking Baja. Like, it was that much of like, I'm like, Pff. what's the difference in these bikes? Uh, the KLR is like, uh, uh, an, uh, my 89 KLR was like an 89 Honda Accord, and the XR650 yard was a 2000 XR650R. That's like a 2000 S2000. Okay, gotcha. So uh, it's an actual race, it's a real dirt bike, okay. you know? Uh, and so I literally the, like the next day I I'm on the internet looking for XR 650Rs. Uh, I find one in Kentucky and I just get a ticket, fly down to Kentucky, never seen one, never <laughs> ridden one, never even looked, you know, I mean, I just, I watched a movie and I was like, bleh, bleh, that's it. And I found this guy that had this bike that he had set up to do the Transamerica Trail, which is a, a an all dirt route that starts in Kentucky and ends on the Oregon coast. And he 
bought this XR650R from a guy that had bought the bike, rode it once, and put it in his garage for 10 years because it scared him too much. And then he spent like $4,000 tricking this bike out because he was like a rich dude that, you know, was like, I'm going to do this. And da, da. and he rode it once and didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I, I know somebody that did that with a Vespa once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad That's I never much, got to ride so, that. smaller scale, that though. was fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I fly to Kentucky and I've, I, 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 this guy picks me up at the airport, takes me back to his house, tricked out XR650R like zero miles on it. Still the original. He had the original tires, and they had nowhere. The mm. cases are brand. And then you look at this bike, and you're like, "This is like a showroom XR 650R." And then I realized I can't start it because I'm too short. Oh, oh no! So I just started on the kickstand. Everyone's like, "You can't do that." I'm like, "What? Watch yeah, you me. can. Yeah, fuck it." <laughs> I start this bike, and I'm gone. And I mean, I, I can't eat. Like, again, this new girlfriend. She's way hotter. She gives great head. She's the best, dude. She's the best girl you've ever met in your life. I mean, that bike, I mean, I rode back. It sounds was, like she has a bad attitude, though, because girls like that have a bad attitude. Fuck no, that bike had a great attitude. Right. That bike was a ripper. She, that, she apparently was a little tall, though. She's yeah. a mythical beast, like Benajaria. my wife, six little, feet tall. A little too tall. She's a six-foot-tall redhead, just like my wife, baby. Yeah, so... Uh, well, I won't ask, her about her, ask you about her talents. Let's, let's just keep they're, they're, they're immense. Uh, so, so I get this bike, I ride back. That was a great trip back, you know, from Kentucky. I had to marathon it back, so I had to work. Uh, I I blasted through Chicago at four in the morning, blew all the tolls. I took the plate off. Fuck it. Again, I don't have a, I don't have a high regard for the law. I uh, married a lawyer. So, uh, <laughs> I have done that through Chicago too, just because yeah, it's fu- just fuck the toll system and fuck that corrupt fucking town. They can fuck themselves, dude. <laughs> uh, that, that road's been under construction for a decade. You go, you're charging me a thousand dollars to drive down this road every day and you can't even fucking fix it. Oh, uh, it's been like that forever. What do you yeah. mean a decade? Corrupt. It's it's, well, I've only been driving for a decade or roughly down there. So anyways, uh, I, that trip, I got caught in a snowstorm again in Wisconsin and again, got back home and had like severe hypothermia. I remember that. I got home and I went in the shower and I laid in the shower with it on full hot until the I just was able to like get up again. That was how cold I got on that ride back. Uh, hypothermia is a that, that happens a lot for me. <laughs> well, you know, again, when you when you don't plan anything and you just fucking do it, uh, there's consequences. There's a lot of consequences, but you know what? <laughs> Uh, you just deal. I remember that, dude. When you're dealing with hypothermia, you have to like, dude. That is savagely brutal. I mean, it, it's a hard thing to describe how hard it is to push through hypothermia. And you go, yeah, I've been cold before, but I'm talking about like I rode like 16 hours in 20 degree weather with inadequate gear, and I had like legitimately severe. You're like, you're in legitimate pain. And you're like just muscling through this, you know? And so I get home. I had this new bike. It's fucking on, you know? It's, I'm like, now the level, the stoke is so high. I mean, this bike, I was. You ever wake up and think about what you're going to do later and your heart starts racing? (laughs) And you get like that little adrenaline rush that you're going to go do something? I get that sometimes. Dude, that bike, what I was going to go do is get up every day and go do wheelies. And uh, (laughs) so funny, funny aside of that, uh, I actually rode the KLR one day just for like no good reason. And I was just riding this XR650R around doing wheelies everywhere. And I hop on the KLR. I'm like, I bet you I can do a wheelie on this thing. And I 
And uh, the next thing I know, I wake up in the hospital Ooh. and I got a severe concussion. I don't know. I don't even know what happened. I just know I was like, I legitimately well, you don't. Got a severe concussion. I got a severe I concussion crashing the KLR trying to wheelie it like the XR. So uh, now, you know, I got, uh, again, I'm not a big planner. Not a big planner. Uh, the one thing I did plan for this trip, we're going to Baja. I found a guy riding Baja February 1. And he had a, a timeshare in Cabo. And this so, is for, for the Baja race. The, the This is just going to Baja. Just this going. Is just, we're okay. just going. Okay. So I'm 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 laid off of work December one, and I have to be back at work March one of the following year. I'm I have a guy in Cabo with a five star timeshare resort place. Uh he says be there February one. So it sounds like a great place to recover from hypothermia if it's a five star. <laughs> well, yeah, let me let me. Oh, that's we'll get there. Uh, so this is great, right? I get you know it's 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 all working out, man. It's really working out. You know these dates are all lining up. I got the bike I want. I'm I'm going to the place I want to go. It's really working out. I I liquidate everything. I uh, you know. Didn't have a place to stay. I stayed at my dad's. I slept at friends' houses. You know, you just make some sacrifices to make it all work. But, like, this is going to happen, you know? You, Do you think know that's going to happen. What is the – I think that's the barrier from a lot of people doing stuff like this is those sacrifices that you have to make to make it happen for yourself. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I can't do it. It's, it's too much money or I can't do the time. Everybody can generally – everybody can do this if they were willing to make the sacrifices to do it. It's just – hard which is yeah. why it's great right i mean it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, if it was easy it would yeah yeah there's it's got to be harder it wouldn't be valuable that's just a truism of life you know so yeah yeah i mean sacrifice sacrifice is 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 i have no issues with it because i you know again when you when you went from where i was in spring of 2012 uh I mean, down, and then and then I got robbed for everything I had and everything I had worked for, and now I'm down and out, and I'm just in in spiraling depression. So when you when you go from that where you're so low and you're so down and you're like you hit this level where again, I went from down to a place I didn't know existed, down to buried. Basically, I mean, it was it was it it was so savagely brutal that selling a bunch of shit and living in my dad's basement for a while and sleeping in my friend. I slept in a closet. Um, it was like a big walk-in closet, and we're dudes in our twenties, so nobody needs a fucking walk-in closet. It's like I'll put a bed in there and I'll sleep in there and pay a hundred dollars a month for rent. And everyone's like, "Yeah, that makes sense." <laughs> so yeah, when you go from totally down and out to like. This, it didn't even at the time, man. You know, now it would actually probably feel like a sacrifice, but you know, uh, at that time it was it was like, well, this is the most logical progression. You know, it just it was like great. I was like happier than a pig and shit sleeping in this dude's closet. You know, it's fucking awesome. I'm going to fucking Baja on an XR 650R, dude. Yeah, that's why I'm sleeping in a closet. You know, if anyone asks, you go, yeah, so I'm gonna go do this. And that was interesting. When I said I was going to go do that, uh, uh, the people around me were all like, there's a little bit of like, are you really going to do this? Like, people thought I was going to bail, I think, or just, you know, not follow through or something. I'm like, no, I'm doing it, dude. I'm doing it, you know? And uh, so, you know, we're going to go do it. And December 1 happens. But what was worse than that is the week before December 1, bitter cold snowstorm. So we're in so it's December 2013 
and it we are snowed the fuck in. Winter came early. You know, it's December. What was what's the date? It's uh, December first today, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, so it, it, no snow. Again, you could. So. Uh, my buddy is riding his Harley today. You know, he's a soft pansy. So uh, December 1, 2013, there was no riding a motorcycle out of Minnesota. Wasn't happening. So I just sat and I'm like, I'm watching the weather. That's as far as I planned. I planned one day at a time. I was watching the weather, watching the weather. Wasn't happening. Wasn't happening. Wasn't happening. I was getting to the point where I'm like, I'm going to have to ship. I'm going to have to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I get all the way to my birthday, December 28th. And this like magical warm front comes through and it's 40 fucking degrees. Not to sell Brandon's birthday, December 28th. (laughs) Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. it. It's this magical warm front blows in on my fucking birthday. We're gone. I mean, I I woke up that morning. I look at the weather and it's like, you couldn't even believe it. Woke up in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) I've never, I haven't come out yet, buddy. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I woke up on my birthday and it was 40 fucking degrees, December 28th. And that was the fucking day. And you're like, yeah. we're jumping off. We're jumping ship. We're leaving life. And we're hitting the fucking road. And we're hitting the road for two months, man. And that was like uh, tough. It was tough to leave. I was dating my wife at the time, sort of. Uh, <laughs> she thinks you're crazy. No, she didn't at all. Really? She didn't. Yeah, well, I mean. It's probably, well, honestly, it's probably one of the reasons why she was attracted to you is because you were a bit aloof at the time. Yeah, and she believed, you know. Adventurous is the nicer term. My wife definitely, definitely believed in me uh, as far as like when I said other people had doubts, uh, and my wife never had doubts. I remember uh, uh, she came, I went to her house, and, you know, I'm like, I'm leaving. And yeah, and, and I left. And uh, I hit the road, and I and I, I I bombed down 35 as fast as I could, and I made it to Blackwell, Oklahoma, and that that lovely miracle 40 degree warm front turned into a, a horrendous 10 15 degree cold front. In I'm in Blackwell, Oklahoma, and so you wake up and you go, well, there's no options. We're going south, so it just. Went south and got severe hypothermia. Made it to Waco, Texas. Oh. And uh, I knew a guy from a, a, a car forum, Lincoln versus Cadillac, this dude, Bill, that lived in Waco. And I got his number from this guy, Mike. And I texted him and I said, hey, dude, I'm in Waco. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, you think I can sleep at your house? <laughs> and he's like, uh, I guess, you know, <laughs> and I showed up and it was so funny. Cause he was like, when I got to his house and he like, I didn't tell him anything, you know, I didn't like go, Hey, I'm on this trip. Give me any backstory. I'm just like, Hey, I sleep at your house. He's like weird. I guess so. And then <laughs> I showed up and he's like, Oh, this is awesome, man. Right. This is awesome. We ended up smoking weed and buying, you know, it was great. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. We, I, my severe hypothermia. Next thing I know, I'm in a puddle on a couch eating pizza. It's like delightful. I stayed there for two days, hung out with the dude. He was a nice guy. Uh, and you know, so yeah, that's my style as far as I, I'll never not, you know, I'm not afraid to talk to people. When you're saying, like, could we go to Mobile, Alabama and make it happen? They're like, yeah, I'll text the dude I don't even know. I've never met before and ask to sleep <laughs> at his house. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can figure it out without a phone. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, and then from there, I, I lined up a, a, a place to stay in Tucson. And 
Marathon from Waco to Tucson through West Texas, which is a which is a slog. That's a fucking slog. I did a I did a twelve hundred miles straight on the XR six fifty R. Oh, it was brutal. It was brutal. It was a different kind of brutal as far as like the hypothermia brutal is is painful and the twelve hundred miles warm in December. No, it wasn't warm. It was like thirty degrees. Yeah, everybody's but everybody's like, "Oh, but, yeah, go to Texas. It's nice. Go down to <laughs> Austin, Houston. Oh, it's great." Nope, it's cold as shit, dude. Dude, when you put your body through a, like a, a full like twelve, fourteen, sixteen hour day of fifteen degree weather, and then you get into thirty, I mean, it's like I could wear a fucking t shirt, you know. Um, and then I make it to Tucson, and I end up. I hooked up this guy. There's this forum, ADV Rider. It's like the Adventure Motorcyclist Forum, and they had this tent space like thread. And I hooked up with this guy that had a place in like outskirts of Tucson. Old hippie guy, uh, cool, cool, cool guy. Had a bunch of moto goosies in his house. Uh, and I slept at his house for like four or five days, supplied up, figured out my shit, had some bike shit to do and whatever else. And then again, in, in, in a stroke of absolute great fortune, he goes, oh, you're going to Mexico. He's like, I got to go take you over to Richard's house. I'm like, okay. Who's Richard? We yeah, go okay. over to Richard's <laughs> house. And, and he introduced me to Richard. So Richard's this old uh, hippie dude riding a DR650, another the Suzuki's competitor to the KLR. Uh, and he's like, oh, this is Richard. Hey, Richard, Brandon's uh, down here from Minnesota. He's, he's going to ride to Mexico. Uh, when are you leaving? And I go, oh, what do you leave? He goes, well, this guy has a place. This guy has a place in Alamos, Mexico, in northern Mexico. And he goes, um, I was actually planning on leaving like this week, you know. Oh, perfect. Why don't you take Brandon, cross the border with him, show him the ropes. You know, fuck. Well, that's convenient, you know. <laughs> and uh, so this guy introduces me to this guy, Richard. And Richard goes, well, come back here in two days and we'll hit the road and we'll cross the border and we'll go to my house in Mexico. Awesome, dude. Awesome. You know, because I'll tell you what, uh, crossing the border, uh, it's a, it, you know, it's a bit of a clusterfuck. It's just, you know, you're crossing a border. You got to deal with all It's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not actually technically hard. You got to buy insurance. You got to do whatever. What? 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 Let me let you in on a little secret. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's you it. don't have to do any of that. You just, just, just cross. That's it. It's very easy. Well, he's talking the other way. <laughs> oh yeah, you're going the other way. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, so I have this, I have this fucking guide. This, I mean, it was so money because. I was in over my head for fucking sure. As far as, yeah, you can ride around the United States and it's, you know, the, the most dangerous inhospitable place in the United States. Still, they speak English. Your visa right. works every time you have the money. You're been in America your whole life. You're a citizen. There's so many, you know, I, it, that border, you're like, Ooh, we're stepping off. You know, there's a feeling of like, we're stepping off. Uh, and especially mainland Mexico, Baja is a little different because it's like so many people go down there to recreate, and it's like, and it's desolate. But mainland Mexico, you're stepping off into a different country, and there's you, different rules. Uh, yeah, plomo y plata. You know, you gotta have silver or lead. That's uh, it's the wild fucking west down there. There's no nine one one. There's no AAA. Uh, on the forums they say it's the it's the land of personal responsibility because. You're on your own. You got to figure it out. You got to make it happen. You're not, you know, 
You're not hopping on the phone, and there's going to be a tow truck there in 15 minutes. You're, you know, that's Mexico. And that's what makes Mexico fucking great, though. You know, that's what's great about Mexico. So Why? Why is that great? Uh, so I went to the Grand Canyon last week with my wife, uh, coming back from Arizona, and we sat in a fucking two-hour uh, traffic jam on a paved road and drove a paved road up to another paved road up to a paved parking lot through a gate where I paid $20 to go look at a fucking ditch. <laughs> and, 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 and the whole time you're like, how the... I, I kept saying to my wife, I'm like, this is government in action. And I'm not getting too deep into that, but you go, how did you fuck nature up this fucking bad? <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what? It infuriates the fuck out of me. And in Mexico, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. There's no infrastructure. There are no rules. There's so where I had it. So I guess I should restate. So when I originally planned the you know Panama trip, going to Panama and back in three months, you got to you got to maintain a pretty good clip. And I know it's only like uh, probably a ten thousand mile trip. And you got three months, but you got to maintain a pretty good clip. Now I've changed. Now I have two months, and I got a month to dick around in. Uh, Mexico, in mainland Mexico, I got to be in Baja on February 1. So I got fucking, you know, you're dicking around in Mexico. And so I had to figure out what I was going to do in Mexico. And so I looked up, you know, where do you go in Mexico? What's the cool place to go? And the the cool place to go is Copper Canyon. Copper Canyon, um, you know, if you like follow the mountain range down into Mexico, Copper Canyon is like the Mexico part of the mountain range. And it's a, it's a beautiful place. There's a million guys that have been there. There's a train that goes through there. It's it's a fucking awesome destination. So it's like, okay, we're going to go to Copper Canyon. So I'm with Richard, and we're, we hop across the border. We're in fucking Mexico. We get five miles across the border. We stop at a taco stand. I'm having the time of my life. It's a little scary, but I got Richard with me. You know, this guy lives in Mexico half the year. He's, you know, he's been there a million times and he's an old hippie. And there's a certain type of thing about old hippies that like, you're like, ah, this, this dude hasn't died yet. You know, you go, <laughs> it can't be that dangerous, you know? <laughs> so there's like a, you know, I have all this confidence in me and, uh, you know, we, we, it was a two day trip from the border to Richard's house. We went from the border to a little town on, on, uh, uh, the coast, the Sea of Cortez, and then we made our way to uh, his house in Alamos. And we get to his house in Alamos, and he checks his place out and makes sure everything's fine. And we go around the town, and, you know, it was really, really awesome because I was able to get acclimated and at least kind of get my feet on the ground and, you know, exchange some money, figure out what's going on. Fig- you know, because if you had just hopped across the border all alone, man, that would have been brutal. So it was really, really nice. And then I remember, so he lets me stay at his place, but he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a, a, a his place is like this big as this studio. That's about it. You know, he's got his bed. So he just sets me up a hammock. Oh, he's like, that, that's the hammock. That's where you're going to sleep. And I, I was like, oh, I'm going to stay here a couple of days. Oh, it's a closet. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's fine. I don't give a shit. I'll sleep anywhere. I don't need. I don't need anything. So uh, I was, and and uh, I'm hanging out there, and I actually, this is like the dumbest thing ever. But uh, 
I had a, I brought a book with me. I brought Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance with me. Yeah. And I read that in Texas, just killing time. You got a lot of time when you're dicking around, you know, dicking around doesn't fill up your day that much. <laughs> so I, uh, I get down to his place and I read this book. Well, this is no, this is dead weight now. So I trade out Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance for Kerouac's On the Road. And I mean, yeah, like <laughs> reading Kerouac's On the Road when you're on the road, sleeping in a dude's hammock in Alamos, Mexico, and you're 23 and you're just doing it. And it was like, it was pretty awesome. You know, it's like, it was like the right thing. And again, you're just like, just all these cool things happen on this trip where all these like everything just lined up. It all just worked out, you know, and it's always going to work out, but it can work out bad because I've had things work out bad. But this worked out just good the whole time. It just worked out good uh, so far. <laughs> so what? <laughs> that sounds ominous. You said so far. <laughs> all right. So. I stay at Richard's for a couple days and, you know, and it's like, and he's like, where are you going? Copper Canyon. This guy used to actually give guided tours. He works as a tour guide in Copper Canyon. Oh, so, man. so he gives me the ins and outs. He gives me a map. He's super money. Dude's money. It's great. And then I wake up and he goes, go, leave. It's time to go. <laughs> that, if I thought leaving Minnesota and leaving my girlfriend and leaving that was brutal and if I thought crossing the border was scary... The moment when I left Richard's house uh, and I was truly on my own in Mexico, you know, that was, so I hit all these, like, le you hit all these levels, you know, you hit this level where you're, you're going to leave your house and, you know, that's like, there's like an apprehension, there's all these emotions and, zzz, and you're feeling all these feelings and, and then you break away. And then you cross the border and there's these, you're like, oh, I'm stepping off. I'm stepping into a different country, yeah, you know, and I don't speak the language. I don't speak Spanish. No Spanish. <laughs> no Spanish. Uh, Hola. <laughs> Banyo. <laughs> uh, and so, but the, if leaving Minnesota was hard and crossing the border was hard, leaving Richard's house was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I was fucking terrified. I mean, I was terrified. So I did it. I left Richard's house and I, I just wrote. I didn't, you know, I knew generally I had a, oh, <laughs> here's another funny uh, aside I forgot to mention. I bought a, a expensive ass Garmin GPS, a Garmin Montana, like top of the line, durable GPS. I built this killer mount for it to mount it on my bike. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be a navigation champ. <laughs> I crossed the border and I brought a laptop with me and the, that thing, you had to load different country maps into it. And I literally crossed the border and I got the USA map in the Garmin and I pull up my laptop to switch to the Mexico map that first night in that hotel and uh, riding my, uh, the laptop shit, the hard drive broke. Oh. So I had no laptop. And, you know, I probably, if I'd like thought more and considered things and made efforts i would have been like yeah it's important to load the map of the country i'm in into the gps that i bought i don't think so <laughs> but i, I mean. pitched that laptop in the fucking trash can drank six fucking coronas and went to bed so it was like <laughs> fuck it and uh so i got no gps so i have a i have a very very expensive compass that's on my bike so now we're navigating by compass alone. So I got a paper map that I don't know how to read in Spanish that I don't know how to read. And I'm heading to a place that I don't know anything about. All I, I didn't research Jack Dick about Copper Canyon. All I knew is that 
I heard the name Batapilos a lot, and I heard the name Copper Canyon a lot. So we're going, we're going to Copper Canyon. We're going to go to Batapilos. That's a town in Copper Canyon. We have a destination, but we have made no arrangements, no plans, no nothing. So I got no GPS. I got a paper map, and I'm 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 headed to Batapilos. So I make it from Alamos to this town called Choice, um, and I have dinner in Choice, and this is hilarious. And I. I you're going to say, this dude's fucking making this up. <laughs> I'm in this restaurant, and this guy, you know, you're the only fucking white dude in this town. You're the only white dude in this restaurant. And they want to know, who, and they go, where are you from? What are you doing down here? Blah, blah, blah. And from working at golf courses uh, with my dad, we worked with a bunch of Mexicans. I'm like, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I, uh, from Stillwater. You know, I worked at a golf course. And this guy goes, oh, what golf course? Speaking no. English. Yeah, I worked with his brother. <gasps> at the golf course, this guy's brother in Choice in Choice, Mexico, in northern Mexico. That was just like one of those funny. Again, so many things happen on this trip that when I tell this story, it is, it's it, it, it's it's hard to believe. It's actually pretty hard to believe. I have a hard time believing it myself. Um, so I I leave Choice and I'm I'm Choice is uh on the other side of the mountain range, about a pillow, so. I'm on the west side of the mountain range. Batapilos is on the, the, the right side of the mountain range. I have a paper map that only lists major roads. There are no major roads in Copper Canyon. There's no, I don't think there's, you know. So is it just blank in this area? It's just, there's there's just a mountain range. There's just nothing I'm on the map. I'm in a town. Though. There's a mountain range, and I'm headed to this other town. So I got a GPS that is a, basically a really fancy compass, and I know that this Batapilos town is uh, east and north of where I am. So I just start heading east and north and I get into Copper Canyon. And, you know, if you've ever been to the mountains, like, you know, the way roads work in mountains, they build them where the fuck they can. The yep. mountain dictates everything. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of an easy place to get around in, but also kind of a super fucking hard place to get around in. Cause, uh, if you take a wrong turn and it sends you down a ridgeway, you're going in the total wrong, you know, there's no like correction route. You're bad. There's a lot of backtracking and yeah. So I get uh, I get I leave Choice and I get into into Copper Canyon into the mountains and I'm you know dicking around riding around I'm having a great time it's beautiful beautiful place uh, super fun roads I mean and these are the thing is you're alone all alone yeah which I've been alone the whole time other than when I was with Richard so you're in these places alone and that's you know I've been to my you you're talking about Grand Canyon and then Mexico my comparison <laughs> is is like Zion National Park. In like middle of nowhere, Utah. Zion is beautiful. Yeah. But there's people fucking everywhere. Yeah. And you get awful. into the middle of nowhere, Utah, it's doesn't it's not as beautiful, but it's yours. And when you were alone out there, did you feel like you owned that? Was it was it your place oh, or fuck no? Or were you no. still scared or what's uh, kind of going Very, your- very scared. Very scared. Cause uh I don't know what I'm doing. I'm all alone. There's just a feeling of terror. And here's the other thing. And at the time, there's this there's this great website. It's like Danger something. Oh, I can't remember the fucking website. There's this website that it's like for expats and people that travel in weird places. And they have like all these different maps to like show you different things about like where hotspot activity for various things are happening. And they have this one map that's like number of murders per capita. 
And at the time, uh, northern Mexico had more murders per capita than uh, Afghanistan. I read. It was like <laughs> the murder capital of the fucking world at the time. I mean, this is cartel land. You're in right. cartel land. And here's what happened, and this is uh, something not a lot of people understand, is the northern Mexico cartels, they used to transport cocaine and grow marijuana. Uh, the, the northern um, states of Mexico is the, is the right climate for, for growing weed. So these guys made money by moving coke and growing weed. For the Colombians, basically, and South Americans. Well, that's the drug trade. This is this yeah. is cartel. Yeah. But then what did we do? We legalized weed in Colorado and and weed was was had been becoming more and more mainstream as far as not not more people smoking it, but it was uh, you know, more, more people were growing it, more acceptable. The, the laws were laxing, and more and more weed was getting grown in the United States. And so, and and you know, you'd always there's always jokes about Mexican ditch weed, Mexican brick weed, and then you know, like Lucy had that great joke about like, yeah, I didn't know they've been working on weed like the cure for cancer, <laughs> and like the, all this indoor grow American weed, and they're doing these genetically modified strains. So, you, so America suddenly is producing a shit ton of uber high quality weed and it was all grown indoors and it's like you know it's it's perfect it's perfect and in mexico they're growing outdoor ditch weed brick weed well guess what when you got a dearth of fucking the most beautiful perfect genetically engineered bud in america ain't nobody buying mexican ditch weed anymore so to compensate for the, the the changing business landscape they start making meth and other things in northern mexico hmm. Which amped up the violence and caught, you know, it. <laughs> also, people are fighting over territory because everybody's. So, yeah, the cartel just, action always happens. But it, it, this was like the start of like the, the area getting more unstable than it had already been due to just a changing landscape in the drug trade. Great timing, then, is what you're well, saying. Well, yeah, it, it's actually funny uh, that when I was in, I'm in Mexico riding in northern Mexico. And there's another guy on a KLR in southern Mexico that, you know, in the movie of uh, the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, uh, where the the movie ends with the dude in Mexico, uh, Sandy on a boat, and Morgan Freeman comes and meets him. So this other guy, American dude, down in southern Mexico, wants to go to that beach. <laughs> okay, that's his destination. Well, that guy got murdered. He got chopped <gasps> up, and they found him in fucking garbage bags. And I'm in Mexico at the exact same time. So literally, uh, we're you know a thousand miles apart. I'm in northern Mexico. He's in southern Mexico, and he's getting chopped up, and I'm fucking riding around and hanging out. So there's a the legitimate like. Do you have anything to defend yourself with? You may oh, what like, are you gonna do? What are you gonna, you're gonna defend yourself against the cartel? They have fucking automatic weapons. They have yeah. fucking. I mean, they are the cartel has more weaponry. You know, there's no defense. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. Right, but. You're always well, we gave it to him. So well, yeah, fast and furious. Yeah, uh, it, it, so that you're always in this elevated. You know, it's a real legitimate concern. You know, this is a dangerous place. And here's the other thing: in America, if you get robbed, more than likely someone's just going to take your phone, take your wallet. They're not. You know, who's doing a murder for a fucking you know iPhone, cell phone? Yeah. In Mexico, you're a gringo with money and a cool motorcycle they might just fucking shoot you just to take the bike because what are they gonna do who's gonna they're gonna find who shot you what does it matter you know there's a legitimate known reality about yeah some dude might see you and go that's why when you're talking about going to mexico in your porsche i go no no yeah. no it's too i wouldn't do that <laughs> uh and 
And there was that, you know, there's this reality of that. And, you know, it's just the reality of the deal. But, hey, man, that's what you're going for. You're like, fuck it. You're, you know, you know the risk. But, yeah, you're at an elevated state the whole time. For sure. For sure. So I'm riding in. I'm in, I'm in the mountains. I'm riding around. And I get pretty lost as far as, again, I have, you know, my map shows no roads. My GPS is a compass. I'm a little lost. I'm buying gas. Uh, the guy I'm buying gas from. So in Mexico, in rural Mexico, all the gas stations are uh, state-owned in Mexico. They're all Pemex stations. So most of the time, if you're off the beaten trail, as far as not on a major, major city in Mexico, you're buying barrel gas from locals. You know, it's like a business. You go buy gas from the Pemex station, and then you sell it to people in your town. So I'm buying gas from this guy in the mountains, and I go, hey, I'm trying to make it a bottle of pilos. And this guy, super nice. No, again, no Spanish. So, bada pilos. He goes, what? pilos. And I point to the map, and he's like, yeah, your map sucks. It doesn't show you anything. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, this guy busts out, like, a piece of paper, and he draws a squiggly line, and he dots, like, six, seven, eight dots, and he writes names out. So, I got town to town to town to town to yep. town. Perfect. You know, that that's a functional map. Uh, and then he stops and he circles one of the towns. It's town Morelos. He circles the town. And again, no, no, no real communication here. But he just goes like, no, no, no. You know, gives me the like, he points to that and goes, don't go there. Don't stay there. And he goes, cartel. So you're like, okay. Well, I know that word. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get, I get the meaning of what's going on. So I leave this guy's place. I'm riding. I'm riding these killer mountain roads. Super dope. Are you Cruising. able to enjoy it? Oh, I'm having a great okay. time. Because you're, you're talking about being terrified all the time. You're, going, I'm you're, you're alternating between being terrified and being in like total bliss because you roll into these towns and you don't know when you're going to, you know, you, you know, you're rolling into a town and you go, there's people with automatic weapons all over the place. And, and the police and the military and the cartel are all one as far as just because you have a police uniform on or just because you have an army uniform on or just because you have an automatic, you know, if you have an automatic a weapon and they all have automatic weapons, they're all carrying machine guns around. And those guys all might work for the cartel. There is no difference. You don't know. Everyone works for the cartel there. So, you know, there's just, there's, there's, I have a, a pocket knife and they have machine guns and you don't know, man. You don't know who, you, you, you know, this, this, there's drug trade, you know, the, you know, all the stories, all the movies, all the shit, you know, if you've seen Scarface and this guy fucking cuts a guy up with a chainsaw, that shit really happens. That shit happened to another guy. Yep. Another American. So it's a it's a reality, but at, when you when you jump off of these towns and you get into you're riding these killer mountain roads, you don't see anyone for hours at a time. So like the panic sets in, you're like, oh shit, there's there's guns, and you're like, they, they might shoot me. And then you're like, oh, this is the coolest road I've ever ridden in my life in this awesome place. And you're having the time of your life. And you, so it alternates back and forth. Um and there's another rule, uh, you know, I read some stuff. I you know, I don't do any planning, but I do research. I don't plan. I research. Uh, so I, I, I have an idea of what's going on, but I, I don't have a, a, an itinerary. And I read all these different threads on ADV Rider. And one thing they always say is never ride at night in Mexico. Everyone says it. Never ride, drive at night. The sun sets, you go to bed. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I, but that, I read it so many times. I go, this must be a true statement. This, you know. They didn't say this, uh, you know. I'm getting, you know, crime, blah, blah, danger, you know, yeah. everything's the, amplified. The on the wall. Yeah. yeah, you read it enough times, you go, we don't ride at night. So, so, I'm, 
So I'm riding along and and the sun's starting to set and uh, I'm in the middle of fucking nowhere in the mountains and I don't I'll, I have a little hand map that has six towns on it and I'm in between two of these towns and it's to scale right the map <laughs> uh, and, and yeah yeah oh yeah absolutely and the <laughs> next town I'm headed to is Morelos uh, the the don't go there town fuck. So you're going to roll in there at night. I've been That's rolling three. I've been riding for three hours since the last town, probably. So there's no turning back. And these roads, these mountain roads, I mean, you're talking about a road like, you know, it's like a two track Jeep trail that's wide enough that you people do take semis on them. But like there's a drop off right there. There's no guardrail. There's no signs. And at every corner, there's one of those uh, crosses and flower murals. <laughs> Somebody died. Somebody's died on every corner on that fucking mountain road, which is also an interesting, again, with the terror thing, when you're like, I might get murdered. Also, uh, all these memorials, how, how, they might be sweet, but they're also like a little morbid when you yeah. see a thousand of them in a row. You're like, oh, yeah, the, you might die just riding, you know? So it's like fuck it, we're you know we're we're three hours away from the last town, uh you know we're at Morelos. I'm not supposed to be here, but there's no option. I'm like, all right, we'll play it cool. Uh, it's gonna be fine. There's got to be a hotel. It'll all be fine. So I roll into the town, and there's one hotel, and I check in. What's it called? Do you remember? There's no fucking names on shit. Says hotel. There's Cartel no street in. signs. There's nothing. There's no dude. It's there's not like La Casa. They don't bother with signs. You go. That's the town. That's the restaurant. That's the hotel. You figure it out. You yeah. know, it's, it's like Old West where it's just saloon. Yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah, like you don't need a business name, but you think they're paying taxes and shit. <laughs> Fuck, dude. Uh, so yeah, so I roll in this town and I check into the hotel and I give her the money and I'm unloading my bike and I'm like, all right, everything's gonna be fine. I'm gonna literally just. I was rolling my if I if I stayed at like a place I could I'd put my bike in the room, and I was able I, you know was, uh, I could have done that at this place. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna load my bike. I'm gonna roll my bike into the room. I'm gonna lock that door. I'm gonna go to bed. I'm gonna wake up in the morning and I'm gonna jet like I never even existed. You know, uh, unfortunately, uh, as I'm just like unstrapping my first bag, a uh, truck rolls up with tinted windows and a tinted windshield and out steps a dude with a machine gun and he points it right at me. Well, fuck man. Uh, <laughs> guess we aren't fucking, uh, we, 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 we went noticed and this guy comes up to me and he's, you know, you're like, we'll see what happens. And, and, uh, he says a bunch of shit to me in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. But you could understand the tone, right? There was some tone there. Yeah, the machine gun fucking did the tone. Jesus Christ, Chris. You got a lot of weapon pointed at you. Holy fuck. Uh, yeah, the tone's been set, dude. Holy shit. And, 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 hard to decipher. And I, I just remember uh, you're like, uh, there's some. I, you're like, you get the feeling that you could say something that's going to get you killed. Or you could say something that's going to keep you alive. And he just said a bunch of stuff at you, and you have no fucking clue what he just said. So you're like, well, we got to totally fucking guess here, and we hope we're right because, you know, high stakes. (laughs) And I just, so I go, what are you saying? I just, uh, the truth. No hablo espanol. 
And I remember I said that. To, I go, no hablo espanol. And the dude literally like looks at me. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, you're here and you don't speak Spanish. He's like, what the fuck? Like, so he speaks he's English. No, he didn't speak any oh, English. Okay, but okay. there was like a look in his face like, did you really just fucking say that, dude? Like, what <laughs> the fuck? Like, you know, you're just like, this guy is the dumbest fucking person <laughs> in the entire world. He's, you know, and, uh, uh, but he doesn't stop pointing the gun at me. So you're like, oh, well. We're not dead, but it could happen, and you don't know what's going on. And he looks at me a little more, and then he just, like, pointed at me. He's like, stay. And you're like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere because you're going to get me. You're going to get me. And uh, he goes back to his truck, and then he comes back, and he kind of, like, stopped pointing the gun directly at me. But he still had the gun. You know, he was Rittenhouse in it a little bit. You know, he's got it to the (laughs) side, and... uh, uh, you know, you're like, oh, well, we're not going to hit this guy with a skateboard. So, yeah. And uh, another car rolls up and out walks this like grandpa motherfucker in like golf clothes. And this guy speaks English and he goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, just uh, hanging out, traveling. I'm you sorry. Know? I'm and stupid. Just, yeah. And he goes. He like he like he looks like I go. This guy's the dumbest fucking. Like, you're like, who, who is this idiot? Like, how fucking dumb? And uh, and then he goes. So just Teresa, Teresa. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Uno, Uno, just you. I'm like, yeah. Stupid. And he's like, yeah, very stupid. Yeah, muy estupido gringo, motherfucker. Dude, it's a bad plan. And uh, and he like just starts laughing. And then he's like. Uh, unpack your bag and come back to with us. And, and you're like, okay. Do well, I again, have to? Well, they they have the guns. You're not saying no. Yeah. And uh, he took me back to his place, and, and we had dinner at his house, and, and they fed us. And there's like 20 people. They, like, you know, this guy was the mayor of the town slash whatever he does for his job. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, we had dinner, and then I'm at dinner, and we're getting drunk and having a nice time, and... They're like, this is hilarious, and the, the Mexicans. It's probably the most interesting thing to happen to them. Yeah, quite some yeah, time. it's interesting, yeah. and those people are so fun. They have a great sense of humor. They're like, this is hilarious. This guy's an idiot, uh, and 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 they're having fun with it. And then they go, uh, we want you to stay tomorrow uh, here, and you're like, well, okay, yeah, you got guns. I'm not arguing with you. So and they go meet, uh, come back here in the morning. At sunrise. Oh, well, this is, is there really planning an execution? What you know what but you're not you're like fuck it. They're very I mean, they're very sunrise, nice. Mexico, you did half the trip. I mean, if you're gonna go sunrise, yeah, cartel, I, I, you know, it's a yeah. good story. Well, dude, you know, again, like uh it's all out of your control at this point. You what, know what hashtag do you think you would use for executed at sunrise in the cartel? <laughs> like what hashtag would that be? Well, you wouldn't be around to use. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? That is yeah. a dumb yeah, I got better. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. I don't even know. <laughs> so yeah, I get up. I go to bed. I get up the next morning, and 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 you know, you they they Did, just, So you slept at this house. I slept at the hotel. Okay, uh, they brought you back. They let you go. The, the town's small. Is you can okay. walk there. Okay, I got you. Uh, and yeah, I go back the next morning, and there's these other dudes, and it's all these younger guys, mm. and. All of them had the most stereotypical gold and silver plated guns engraved to shit. And they're like, get in this truck. And you're like, oh, get in the truck. You guys got the guns. So you uh, get in this truck and we just drive. And we're just driving. And uh, this guy had a laptop and he's 
gets up a, a a translator, and we ended up having like this weird like translated conversation through a laptop, like Google Translate typing thing, and you know we're talking and. I'm making jokes and like having, we're having a nice time. And then we get to this spot where then like we get as far as the truck can go to where we're going. And they're like, I right, get up. We got to hike. And we hike. Uh, what's your heart rate right now? Getting out of the truck and hiking. It's got to be go, just. You go, if they were going to kill me, they were going to, what? Nobody's got time for this amount of drama. You know, this isn't a hot, like they you can go, take you all behind the hotel and shit. Well, yeah. You yeah. You want, go, right? you go, yeah, this isn't a Hollywood movie In a Hollywood movie. They'd take you to the top of a very tall hill and there'd be this long, dramatic drawn out thing. And they'd put you on your knees and you'd be at the edge of a cliff. And you know, you go, they're not going to kill me. Cause they would have just fucking killed me. If they wanted my right. bike and my money. They would just kill me, but they have guns. You're like, whatever. Fuck it. You know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And, uh, we go up there. And it ended up, the reason we were up there, so uh, Slim owns all telecoms in Mexico. He's like one of the richest dudes in the world. Uh, uh, Who? Slim? Slim. And so this is the guy. No, Slim's a telecom billionaire from Mexico. Uh, it's like Hector something, something. I don't fucking know his real name. He goes by Slim. Slim okay, owns okay. all telecoms. Probably a fat guy. I don't know. Slim owns all telecoms <laughs> in Mexico. And, uh, you know, these cartels are basically like, you know, uh, the cartels in Mexico are pretty much like the CIA. You know, the CIA is the biggest drug dealer in America, and the cartels are the drug dealers in Mexico. So the size and power and, and capability of these cartels is equivalent to, like, the CIA in the United States. So the Hector's, uh, the Slim owns all the telecoms, so the, the cartel has their own cell phone network because they can't be troubled to, you know, they're not going to rely on this guy to, you know, he could fuck with their operations. So it ended up the reason that they brought me up there was because they had to go up there anyways to fix their cell phone tower. And that's the guy with the laptop. He was like the tech guy. They, they, they literally just brought me up there to show me it. Cause they're like, dude, we got up there and they're like, look at this. And you're like, that's really cool. They're just like, hey, isn't this cool? We thought you'd like this. You know, you, you seem like a guy that likes doing stuff and seeing cool things. So we, yeah, we went up to the top of this mountain peak uh, with these fucking cartel guys to fix their cell phone tower. And they're just like, there it is. Yeah, nice. So you changed your pants there when you got back? I, you know, man, I'll tell you this much. Uh, when that dude pointed that gun at me at the hotel, that was like the moment. And that night, I, like, I went to bed and I woke up and it was like, Psh, there ain't no worries in the world, man. Like, this like uh, immense calm came over like my whole life after that. You know, I wasn't really worried. We're having a good time. We had a nice time. I ate dinner with them again. They got me drunk again, and then they wished me a a, a, a farewell. You know, <laughs> and I left there, and it was actually really nice. Uh. uh as I was leaving, the 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 mayor dude uh, goes, uh, "Hey, we uh, we put out the word. If you see a crazy gringo on a red bike, he's leave him alone." So not only was there this like sense of calm about you know I thought I was gonna get killed, but then I also had like the cartel gave me the nod. They're like, "Yeah, this guy's fine." You've been knighted, basically. You're all set. <laughs> you're yeah, you're yeah. Blessed. You're like, okay, these guys run Cobra Canyon, so I'm fucking fine now. So that that day I left. Uh, and it was really cool. So, uh, lower elevation Mexico, it's like pretty tropical. So like jungly plants. So none of the vegetation is, uh, we're in Minnesota, piney birch trees. Um, uh, 
ferns. That's the vegetation, and uh, it's not jungly at all, right? The uh, opposite of jungly, very open woods. And uh, so you're in this weird uh, vegetation, and I left uh, Morelos, and I rode out of there, and I climbed up a, a higher pass, and I got on this really high ridge, and it was like I ascended at elevation level where the, the vegetation switched from tropical to uh, pine. It, so it went from this, like, tropical stuff to this, this pine forest on this tall mountain ridge. And it was like uh, it was like I like emerged in a familiar place in uh, Mexico. You know, I felt like I was at home. I was, you know, it, and I, you know, left Copper Canyon uh, in a place where I was like home. You know, it was weird. It was weird being in somewhere that was so, you know, we're thousands of miles from my home and I felt very at home in this pine forest on the top of a ridge in Copper Canyon. And that was just awesome. You know, uh, I didn't get murdered. I, I had a great time. I got a little fucked up and lost and things happened, but you know, here I am. Uh, and I'm feeling great. Left Copper Canyon, went to Peral, and then I rode down to Durango and, Rode some super killer paved roads that would have been fucking sick to do on a sport bike. I had a dude, I was like trying to like I do I was like super motoring on the fucking XR on these paved roads that were just <laughs> killer. I mean killer. They're uh, uh the best roads in America. The you gotta go Mexico has some um it's a mountainous place. It's it's wonky. There's rules in the United States, you know. There's like codes and shit when they build roads. Like the road has to be level in Mexico. They're like the road has to be a road, you know. So there's a certain type of uh, fun about the roads in Mexico. It's a little more like circus, you know. It's so you're like, not getting pulled over for crossing a double yellow is what you're saying. Over. Yeah. There's cops. <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> there's guys with guns, and if they want you to do something, you listen. But other than that, you're on, you dude. Again, when I say like what sucks about America is everything is locked down, and in Mexico, it's like do whatever the fuck you want. It's the land of personal responsibility. You can do anything you want, and you might get killed for it. So mind your p's and q's, but you can have way more fun in Mexico than you could ever have in America. Nobody's gonna bother you. Nobody's gonna bug you. Nobody's gonna fuck with you. It's you know, it's awesome. So. well, this is really not selling my wife on me taking the trooper down to Mexico with you. <laughs> no, this is this is mainland Mexico. This isn't Baja, dude. This is a different deal. Uh, Elsa, yeah, well, fuck it, whatever, you know. Eh, it's fine, dude. Baja is a totally different deal. So I get to I get to Durango, and uh, I'm headed to Mazatlan. My wife, well, at the time, girlfriend, now wife. That's a big city, right? Mazatlan. It's, it's fairly- a tourist town. It's like Puerto Vallarta. It's yeah, like right. any Mexican tourist town. Yeah. Uh, and my wife's going to fly into Mazatlan and we're going to spend a weekend together. Um, so I have a date that I need to be in Mazatlan. I'm in Durango and I go to Mazatlan and, uh, they just made this new road, uh, from Durango. So the, the drive from Durango to Mazatlan used to be like 14 hours and it's only like 200 miles on the map, but it's a mountainous, it's a fucked up area, you know, it's Mexico. And so they built this super expensive it's like they something i can't remember the name in spanish is but they call it like the sky road because the road is literally bridges and tunnels l sky road yeah and 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 and, and, uh uh the the road had opened like a month or two before it was like it just opened it was like brand new so i 
leave Durango and I'm like, oh, this is a new road. This is super cool. Uh, I fill up my tank and I'm like, ah, we're going to do this. You know, I'm like, I'm pumped. And uh, I, I fucked up because I forgot to think about what I was doing. And, and, and again, Mexico, it's the land of personal responsibility. You have to be on the ball. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be prepared. Because in America, uh, there's signs, there's rest stops, there's service stations, there's every, there's all this, you know, there's rules, there's laws, there's order, there's all this shit. one 800 aaa help Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and I think in America, like you see it, it's not very common because America's so, you know, there's shit everywhere. But, you it's know, like. It's strange because the, everybody doesn't. You know, people are like, oh, how did you do that with your car across the... I'm like... Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously, Dude. if, I, if anything happens to me, there will be an... Uh, unless you, you go on and on uh, Isuzu pop out. You're never more than 100 miles from a McDonald's. You're fine. You're fine. You're, you're, you're Dude, fine. if you die in America, you're the dumbest... Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you have a gallon of water, you will never die in America unless you're just an idiot, you know? Yeah. So... Uh, you know, like uh, 50. Ironically, I have a gallon of water in my car when I'm on road yeah, trips. There you go. Yeah. That's, duh. That's so a dumb move. The, the bad part is if you die, I'm really, there's no excuse. There's yeah. no excuse, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'm just saying the contrast of what people will accept here and what they find challenging here is not challenging at all. Yeah, that's why I, I have to, like, just intentionally do dumb things when I travel in America now. Like, I have to set... I have to, like... <laughs> dude, I when I took that Ranger back, I was so bummed. It didn't... I had no problems. I was like, fuck! And, yeah. like, I, we went through the sawtooth in a snowstorm in a... Well, the guy, Taylor, that rode with me was mm -hmm. driving a 72 Volvo that he had just turbo-swapped the week before. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we, like, intentionally... You're, like... I'm, like, stacking the deck against myself, just, like... Come on, make it interesting. You know, this yeah. is like, and it doesn't happen. You're like, well, that was lame. Well, you, you could be like me and buy an AMG with summer tires and drive it back through a bomb blizzard, knowing that something bad could happen. Just yeah. to make, just to make. See, that's it awesome. I would have been like, I've been like, dude, I fucking made it. No, I'm remembering blizzard. that now. No, I'm just saying, you, I, I I understand what you're saying. You know, you got to create risk for yourself so you can be rewarded. To it be entertained. Kind of, yeah. So it seems kind of lame to, to do something dumb so you can have a good time no it's not lame at all that's like the essence okay. of life <laughs> so, so, so i i didn't think i didn't think i didn't do any research and i just hop on this road and again cool i mean i it's i don't even know what to say about that road uh it it's literally like you're flying through the sky above this canyon and then you ride through the longest tunnel you've ever been in and then emerge on this bridge that's just it, it's it's in a it was a super cool road and then i hit a toll booth and they're like 20 pesos and i'm like oh yeah no problem and i paid the toll and then i hit another toll booth 20 pesos and i'm like duh no problem and then i hit another toll booth and now i have no more pesos because I didn't know it was a toll road i didn't know how long it was i didn't fucking know anything and so now I'm in the middle of this road between that, two toll booths. Between two toll booths that rides through the sky. There's no exits. There's zero exits on this road. Cause it literally is bridges and tunnels. There's mm -hmm. no fucking exits. I'm at a toll booth. So I got Why do they have multiple toll why don't they just have one tool booth? You should have known. I don't know. They need jobs. Who fucking <laughs> who fucking knows why? Yeah, I know. Did it yeah, it's Mexico. Yeah. Um so 
Uh, it's good to know that building highways there doesn't make any sense either. So I have uh, no pesos and I have like $1,500 stuffed in my underwear all in hundreds. So I'm sitting at this toll booth and I'm like, well, what are the odds I'm going to find somebody that's going to be willing to exchange a $100 bill for a semi-reasonable amount of pesos so I can pay my tolls? Or am I going to bribe this toll attendant with a $100 bill? And what if there's five, you know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm fucked, dude. I'm fucked. I'm fucked in a way where like, you're like, ah, there's, this is a difficult, this is a tight spot. As a guy that's willing to walk up to a, a Quonset hut in rural South Dakota and knock on the door, uh, this situation, I was like, we're pretty fucked right now. So I'm like, I'm not going to spend the money. I'm not going to try and find somebody to exchange pay. So I got to find another way out. And that other way out was I looked down from the toll booth and I saw the, there's a road down this, like down in the canyon. And I'm like, well, I look like I can, I think I can ride down that hill off this toll booth. So I just bombed off the road uh, into the canyon off this, you know. Onto some unknown road. Yeah, it's a road. Where can I, it's a canyon. It can only go one way. It can only go through the canyon. And, the, you know, it's got to head where I want to go. And this, this fucking bridge and tunnel road is up, up above you. And you can see it for miles. So you're like, as long as I keep the bridge and tunnels in view, and uh, I'll be fine. So why, why did you choose that instead of giving the guy a hundred bucks to let you buy? Did you think he wouldn't take it and then you'd get arrested or what was the reason? Just not a hundred bucks, dude. That's a hundred bucks. <laughs> I'm paying eight. I'm paying eight to twelve dollars a night for hotel rooms. So a yeah. hundred bucks seems like that's you know okay. Uh, that's I, mean, a I, lot just, of, I just would have given the guy the hundred dollars. Well, yeah. yeah, but then how many more times are you yeah, do that? Yeah, yeah, it, it was not. Sure. I'm not going to burn you, up my money. I, sure. I'm halfway. In the, there's a lot of reasons. So I'm like. It wasn't worth it to lose $100 over this one toll booth because I knew there was going to be more. So I bombed off the road, and I just, you know, rode on this, like, uh, road and kept the bridges and tunnels in sight. And then I was like, oh, I think I can make it up that hill. And so I just went back up on the bridge and tunnel road, and then I just bombed around, like, three more toll booths that same way. And the system proved entirely effective. Um <laughs> So yeah, again, I you know it's good to have a fair amount of disregard for the law, uh, and just you know you just make it work. But yeah, it, it and I ended up rolling into Mazatlan. I had like you know zero pesos. My my gas tanks on reserve, and Got I a like a bunch of sweaty nut I, money. I coasted into a gas station and then walked to a bank and exchanged some pesos and. Filled up my tank and baby, we're in Mazatlan and my wife's going to be there in a couple days and I'm going to, you know, get laid for the first time in a month. So, uh, I picked her up. We hung out for the weekend and, uh, it was terrible. We got, (laughs) it didn't go well. You're like, fuck, that sucks. You know, you're like, you know, you build something up and you're like, yeah, it didn't, it, it didn't work out, but we got married. So it did work out. You know, um, So then there's a ferry that goes from Mazatlan to La Paz. Um, And again, no research, no planning, no thinking. Uh, I buy this ferry ticket and you're like, oh, the ferry leaves tomorrow at nine, be here. And so I go there and it's a car ferry and I check my bike in and they go, yeah, get all your shit. They lock the door. You can't go down here. Um, And I'm on this boat and I'm like, how long how long could it be to cross uh, the Sea of Cortez from yeah. Mazatlan to La Paz? I'm like, what, does this mean, like an hour? No, it's you're like... basically going it, from mainland Mexico to Baja. Yeah, that you're crossing on a ferry from mainland Mexico to Baja, 
And on a map, the it doesn't seem like it's that far. On a boat, it's like to, to twenty fucking hour boat ride. Oh, yeah. so I didn't know. I you know it's got to be like three hundred miles. I don't two hundred miles. It's, I don't it's fucking far. know, dude. He still doesn't. I know. don't fucking know, man. I don't know. I, don't, yeah, I never looked it up. I just know I got the boat. I'm like, hey, how uh, are we gonna be here? You know, what's for lunch? And they go tomorrow. You mean you're like tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just imagine the hardest part of this whole trip is just using your imagination to jack off the whole time. No, that's no problem. That's no problem. I'm a soldier. Um, so uh, this boat, this ferry has uh, cabins and they have like just this like general admittance section. So you can get this like you can get your private cabin with a bed. And I thought this I in my mind, I'm like, well, we're going to be on this boat for like an hour. You know, no big deal. Don't need to. What are we in the cabin for? For you know, I realize I'm stuck <laughs> in this boat for like twenty fucking hours, and uh, so I'm just like they basically had this general admittance area, which is like a little movie theater, and they were playing like a shitty movie in Spanish, and like that's your seat, you know, have fun. Twenty hours, here we are, and they had a little like tienda. And they had like hot dogs and like fucking gross hot dog water. And you're like, uh, gross. And, uh, there's all these truckers, the, the ferries primarily like semi-truck drivers. Um, and so, uh, the Tienda's closing and me and these truck drivers buy the Tienda out of all the beer they had. And there was like a deck off the back of the ship. And we go out on this back deck of the ship with like 40 beers. And me and these truck drivers are just getting drunk on this back deck of the ship. And then they this, speak any English, these guys? No, not a fucking word. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we're smoking weed back there. We're having a nice time. And then somebody robs me. <gasps> uh, not like, you know, uh, a salty, stabby, shooty Robbie, but they just uh, pickpocketed me and they stole my camera, which is a super bummer. I don't have any pictures mm. of this trip. Nikon D90, you know, uh, it's not a, you know, it's not like a, it was like three hundred dollars. I bought it three hundred dollars used. Yeah, it's like the, it's a, the photos are. Yeah, the photos, you know, it was a bummer, and you're like, fuck. But then I had my phone. And I'm like, all right, well, I got my phone. I took, you know, duplicates of good stuff, and like, I had pictures on my phone. I'm like, all right, I'm fine. It's a bummer. You're like, it was, it was. What bummed me out is I was having a really great time getting drunk with these guys, and then they robbed me. And you're just like, dude, you know. It, why'd you have to do that and like sour this experience? You know, um, I'm like, fuck it. I'm bummed out. They killed my buzz, man. And I go back down to the little movie theater and I'm, I just sit down and I go to bed and you know, and I wake up uh, the next morning and uh, my cell phone and my wallet are gone. I got pickpocketed <gasps> while I was sleeping. So I got robbed twice in one boat ride. Beat that motherfuckers. <laughs> what, so ha now, what happened to the fifteen hundred dollars in nut in the nut money? Yeah, that's why you have it on your nutsack because if somebody you're not fucking nobody's tickling your nutsack without you waking up. That's right. why you. That's why you got the 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 stat. So they, they when I say they stole my wallet, they stole my decoy wallet. They stole a wallet that had like a hundred pesos in it because all my you know you keep your. Your passport, your insurance card, your real money, your cash, like everything, that was all in a, uh, like literally on my nutsack. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so they you gotta got to do that or you got to wear it on a lanyard. You got to do something. Yeah. You got to yeah. do something. So, yeah, they, they, they stole my cell phone, which is the real bummer because I lost 
every shred of evidence that I ever did this. This might all be a lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a crafty, but, crafty lie. Uh, they, yeah, they stole my cell phone. They stole a uh, hundred pesos in my wallet. I'm like fucking assholes. And I, I literally went around the boat and I was like, dude, I'll give you a hundred dollars to give me my memory cards back. I'm like, just give me my fucking memory cards back for my camera. Like somebody has my camera. Can you please just give me my memory cards back? You know, I'll pay you. Uh, didn't no 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 dice, fuck it. Were they like no habla inglés? You know, <laughs> it's just kind of yeah yeah. You know, all these these guys you're having a great time with that you were your friends just kind of faded off and and everyone's just a a blank face. So, uh, I get off the boat. We get to we get to we get to La Paz. I'm a little sour about getting robbed twice in one night. But also, I just I just set foot on the fucking Baja Peninsula, and I just threw my leg over a motherfucking XR650R, Johnny Campbell, King of Baja, motherfucking badass machine. <laughs> so you're finally so, here. So, you know? yeah, yeah, we've arrived, and uh, the 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 anger and annoyance with the boat ride uh, faded away instantly, and, and, and I rode down to Cabo, and then that anger, uh, uh, that, that faded away concern uh, returned... Uh, Roared back when I realized that I didn't know where this guy I was supposed to be meeting was because I had that on my cell phone. Mm-hmm. So now I'm I'm in Cabo and I'm supposed to be meeting this guy Randy, who's also riding an XR650R. Who I met through ADV Rider, who's riding Baja, and he's at some timeshare at some resort in Cabo. Not a huge town, but uh, it's not a small town. You know, you're not just going to run into Randy, you know, just riding around, right? So uh, I, I I made it into Cabo, and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? How, you know, and I managed to, like, find, like, an internet cafe, and I logged into my uh, ADV account, and I got the name of the resort, and then I just literally was like, where is this? <laughs> and uh, and I found it. And I remember I rode down like this resort had this like super long like uh, it was a golf course place too. And you're like riding this long driveway, and there was this XR 650R parked there. And you're like, dude, there's Randy. And uh, and I run into Randy, and you know you're like cool, and you're like fuck, you know, we're good now, we're good again. You know, crisis adverted, we made it, and um. Randy and I go to dinner, and I've been staying in so I'm in mainland Mexico for a month, staying in pretty roachy places, places with no windows, places with no sheets, places with uh, they they do this great thing in Mexico where uh, they won't have like a hot water heater that like distributes hot water. The shower head just has these like wires going to it, so don't ever touch the shower head because it probably will shock the fuck out of you while you're getting you know you're in the shower you're like I gotta adjust the shower head and you just start, you're getting shocked. By the- <laughs> <laughs> it's just, the, the it's raining electricity. Yeah, the, the 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 shower head has a heater in it, and there's just wires, bare wires going to a shower head. <laughs> <laughs> so that that. Uh, so yeah, I've been in mainland Mexico for a month. I'm staying in these roji places. I'm eating uh, whatever, which was fat. The food, the food is one of the high. I can't even mention the food. Uh, every meal was a good meal. There was no bad meals the whole trip. Uh, you know, you're eating at the people had like in towns. These little towns. Some lady will just cut a drive-in window into her house, and it's just their fucking house. And, you know, you see it, you, you're like, oh, that lady sell, you know, you go up to the drive through window, and the lady's in her kitchen, is in her house, and she goes, oh, you want some food? She just has food, <laughs> you know. Uh, the, the food was 
amazing the whole time. The places were roach. You're having a great time. And there's also a concern about getting like uh, sick in Mexico, mm -hmm. food poisoning, water poisoning. And uh, I, so everyone goes, don't drink the water. So I'm like, I took that to heart and I only drink beer and Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, so I figured, you know, I can trust these products, you know, Corona and Coca-Cola, you're not going to get sick off of. I'm eating fucking whatever food from whoever, anytime, you know, no problems, no problems. Uh, and I get to, you well, it's know. probably because you were sleeping in closets before you went. I mean, yeah. you, you were you, you were, were acclimated. You were, in a palace. <laughs> yeah. you were inoculated, basically. So, yeah. so we go back to Randy's hotel, five-star resort, fucking, like, king-size bed, white sheets, white comforter, white sheets, white pillowcases, pillow top, motherfucking tempurpedic ass bed. <laughs> nice, you know, I was, I stayed in this the place I stayed in Choice the the it was no windows it had bars over the windows and there was uh like this like prison mattress on the the world's squeakiest bed frame and there was just this giant stain in the middle of this mattress and you're like so either somebody shit themselves to death or they got stabbed to death on this mattress so you roll out the sleeping bag on top of the mattress and you sleep in the sleeping bag on this roachy ass hotel mattress and. So I, I, I'm like in heaven a little bit because, you know. It's, it's like you, you have some people come back from like being prisoners of war and stuff like that. They come back and then they sleep on the floor because that's all they're used to, right? <laughs> Did you have, or were you totally fine with it? You I, was, I was in heaven. I was totally <laughs> fine with it right until I uh, woke up at like, I'd gone to sleep and I wake up like 10 minutes later, explosive diarrhea. I don't know if it was those hot dog water hot dogs on the fucking boat or the 19 beer. I don't know what happened. But after a month of zero problems, I get to Cabo. I'm in a five-star resort. I'm sleeping in a fucking pillow top bed with the whitest sheets you've ever seen. I'm like, I'm going to shit this dude's bed, dude. This You're is going to be a clean stain. Dude, I, I, I don't think I've ever shit so many times <laughs> in such a short period of time. I mean, I was dude, there was a point... Where I'm like, it, dude, when you shit so much, you get diarrhea so bad you're just going to shower, that you're right? shitting out stomach acid and your asshole is just, Ugh. it like, it like it feels like somebody's stabbing your asshole because you're just like <laughs> burning your asshole with your own stomach acid. So, uh, it, it was sounds worse than having a gun pointed at you, to be honest. It was, that was the worst part of the, the hands down worst part of this whole trip was shitting my brains out for like nine straight hours in this fucking... And I didn't even get to enjoy the fucking pillow top motherfucking nice five-star <laughs> hotel bed. Uh, what did Randy think of all this? Randy was laughing. He's like, oh, he's like, they got you. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, I mean, this guy's, this guy's been down there a lot. He actually lives in Cabo now. I was just messaging the other day because I said, hey, me and Chris might be going down there. And he goes, I actually bought a, I said, I got out of the timeshare and I bought a house in Cabo. He's like, you're free to use it. Wow. So uh, Randy's dope as fuck. He's also a mechanic. Cool guy. Uh, yeah, she just laughs. And so here's the real bummer about this situation is not so much. Yeah, it was a bad night, uh, but I was super, super bummed out because I'm I, I, I'm ready to shred some fucking Baja dirt on this XR650 and I have horrible diarrhea. And here's <laughs> the other problem. I have a 29 inch inseam. I'm a short dude like you two. Uh, oh, you're short. Dick. You're short as fuck, both of you, and I am too. Um, which I, that's a nice part about Mexico. I'm a, I'm a king. The of average height of Mexico, you're you feel tall in Mexico. You're like, this is the only time I've ever felt tall in my entire life. So, uh, but here's the thing: I'm, I'm wearing motocross boots, 
and these boots go pretty much up to my knees. So I look like an old English dude riding a horse, you know, like the leather boots strapped up. <laughs> but the, the real issue here is I can't pull my pants down to shit. You can't sit on a toilet in motocross boots and, and riding pants. Cause like they won't pull over the boots and like, we got we have a logistical nightmare, and I am I am destined to shit my pants. You know, I'm like I'm like so I kind of like give up. You're like, all right, I'm gonna shit my pants. It's like what's whatever, fuck it. We you know it's gonna happen. And uh, I gear up and I just get on my bike. And so we went from uh, Cabo to La Paz. We took the East Cape Road, which is like just follows the coast of the Baja Peninsula from Cabo to La Paz. And I mean, super sick. Awesome. I mean, just the, you know, it's like the dopest, you know, you're like, this is dope. And I'm just like, don't shit my pants. You know, you know, you're like, you're, uh, dude, I was like, I was more worn out from squeezing my asshole than I was from riding. You know, like it, I was like, I was putting all the work. My abs were like toned by that, uh, that afternoon, I, I shit my pants a little. It wasn't a big deal, you know. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it did happen. Like, uh, you know, but uh, I think bump it, it a no. At one point, I actually stopped and I I, uh, I just dumped some sand down my boxers to like uh, yeah, like, a little kitty litter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, it's just. But I was having so much fun. You know, you shit your pants a little. It is what it is. We got to La Paz. We I uh, showered. I. Rinsed my boxers out in the in the the sink and we're good to go, and luckily the the diarrhea stopped after that. And uh, so from La Paz we went to Scorpion Bay. Scorpion Bay is this super super cool town. It's a big surf town. It has one of like the world's longest surf breaks. It's got like a fucking like three mile. If you look at it on a map, there's like this weird rock ridge that wraps out of the town. And what that causes is it causes the waves to crest at the tip of this rock ridge. So these guys are like, there's it's a huge surf town. People are like, yeah, dude, when the waves are hitting here, you can ride a wave for three miles, like miles. Wow. And because of that, there's all these dope hotels, and there's an airport there. Cause uh, so you know, like the weather, you know, when you like look at the weather report and it's like wrong. Uh, <laughs> So the surf report, they have this. So weather is like we don't predict it. Surf's reactive, so the surf report is always right because because they go this happened here, the surf's gonna be good here. So this guy goes, I mean, I mean Scorpion Band, the guy goes, yeah. When when the surf report comes back that we're gonna get killer waves, a, a thousand planes fly in. Wow! Like guys watch the surf report. And these California dudes and Hawaii dudes, literally, like, oh, the like rich dudes, are like the surf's good in Scorpion Bay, and they get in their fucking plane and they fly there, cause it's that good. Wow. So it wasn't good, but and this is this is a funny fucking dude. Fuck Portland. So uh, fuck what? Fuck Portland. Okay. So all right. So get <laughs> this. Right. So I'm having breakfast in Scorpion Bay. I'm a month and a half, a month in my trip, whatever. I'm you know probably eight. 9,000 miles in. This is your new world now. This is my new world now. And I run into some Americans, which I haven't really seen a lot of other than Randy. And there's these dudes from Portland in a van down there just hanging out, dicking around. And I'm like, oh, what's up, dude? It's nice to talk to somebody that speaks English. I'm like, oh, Portland. I've heard that's a nice town. Shithole. Uh, and, and they go, you know, I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. I live in Minnesota. And I'm like, 
thinking these guys are like cool dudes. And they were total fucking assholes to me. And I'm like, dude, if it if you run into somebody 10,000 miles from anywhere and you're both traveling the world and doing your thing, you go, oh, I'm not cool. Uh, you know, you're sharing at least some I'm sort not of common cool enough thread. for you. I'm not. Yeah. You're like, what would I have to do to like be legit in these Portland assholes. I have like tits probably would have been a big Portland. That's why everyone there's on heroin. Your city's a garbage hole. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I wrote, you know, we left there. We rode from uh, Scorpion Bay. Uh, and then we just, you, so you kind of, when you go up the Baja Peninsula, you can't really just like go straight up. So there's a, there is a highway. Mm-hmm. There's a paved road that runs the whole way. But the off-road trails, you kind of bounce back from, coast to coast and i mean you can you could literally ride you could you could travel baja uh every day for the rest of your life you know you'll never run out it's an infinite playground um and so we end up making it up to uh rice and beans uh which is a famous place when they so the baja 1000 alternates year to year between doing a, a full peninsula run and a loop so it always starts in Ensenada. Sometimes it ends in La Paz slash Cabo. Other times they loop back to Ensenada. And uh, Rice and Beans is kind of like the bottom southern point of like the loop route of where the Baja 1000 runs. And uh, I remember I, we stayed at Rice and Beans. You got to go there. And I slept in a bed that night with Johnny Campbell's signature above it. So it's like, you know, you're like dope. Uh, it's cool. You know, I slept in this bed with the same dude. You know, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm riding the bike. And I... Uh, Funny aside of that, I was in Italy for the six day international six days of enduro, and uh, Preston Johnny's son uh, raced this year and hung out with him a bunch. So cool dude, man, Johnny Campbell, dope guy, you know. And uh, so then from uh, rice and beans, we made it up to the next like most uh, you know historic spot in Baja, uh, and we go up to uh, Coco's Corner, which is uh, Coco's this dude. That got in a car wreck and like lost one of his legs, <laughs> which is like that's shitty. And he like got this property in like the Milanor in Baja, and he just became a destination. You know, if you're in Baja and you're anywhere near it, you stop at Coco's Corner and you see Coco. Yeah, I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I slept there in one of his. He has like uh, truck campers that are just on the ground. So I slept at Coco's Corner, and then it was super hilarious. Coco's dope, but it, he ended up losing his other leg to diabetes, which uh, you, you'd think if you lost one of your legs, you'd, you'd take a little bit. Could, yeah. yeah, Nah, fuck it. He lost his other leg to diabetes. But, uh, so the next morning, we get up, we're hanging out, and we're you know just eating breakfast with Coco, and we hear some motorcycles you know, bah, out in the distance. And, and then we see the dust clouds, and they come down the road past Coco's, and they keep going, and Coco goes, can't you, know, you always you stop? That's bad juju. It's bad juju. Literally, he says that, and also here, kunk. And this dude's dude, chain breaks, dude. Guys. Dude, it was hilarious because Coco hops on his little four wheel and rides out there, toes this guy back, and he's just shaking his head. He's like, "You should have known better, dude. You should have known better. You always stop at Coco's corner to say hi. You know, it was it, it was so hilarious, like." It, put a hex on them for you sure. You couldn't even <laughs> make it up. You know what I mean? That's like, again, I, there's so, I, when I, t- I, God, this story is so ridiculous. Uh, and yeah, and, and we rode from there. We made it up to Ensenada and then we crossed at Mexicali. And unfortunately or unfortunately, 
the the Baja portion of that trip isn't actually that interesting as far as telling the story. Because here's the story. Uh, it was fucking awesome. And if you've never fucking ridden a dirt bike in Top Gear Tapped uh, in Baja, you're missing out. It's like you haven't gotten a blowjob before. You know I mean? Like, <laughs> dude, it's it, it was incredible. The place is incredible. Baja is an amazing fucking place. I could never say enough about it. And yeah, we crossed back into America. I remember that night we ate at an Applebee's and it was like, I was like, I think we like, we were like, we were really hungry across the board. And it was like the first thing you go there and you're like, I've been eating this, like all this, just the, the most authentic Mexican food you could ever have. <laughs> <laughs> I go to fucking Applebee's and I'm like, God, mm, this fucking tacos. sucks, man. <laughs> and uh, where everything was frozen five minutes ago. Yeah. So now I'm in. Uh, Mexicali and Randy's like, I'm going to my house in Modesto. Uh, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to your house in Modesto. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, all right, works for me, man. So, uh, he, he, we, we load our bikes in his van and, uh, he drives us up to Modesto and, uh, I, I'm like, okay, it's February something if. 10th maybe uh and i look at the weather and i'm like well that's not i can't ride back you know and i'm like uh oh i'm probably not gonna be able to make it back on this bike in march like i don't think i'll make it back on this bike it's not feasible with the weather and the, the you're like fuck so uh i'm in modesto I feel like i've already suffered enough i don't need to well no it's interesting suffering and literally like, in, it wouldn't have you know yeah, yeah. It, it just wasn't a realistic thing so i'm like all right i gotta buy something that can haul my bike back and something i can afford and i got like fifteen hundred dollars cash and i my girlfriend and wife sent me some money and i found a 81 uh rabbit truck oh, in yeah. fresno gas or diesel diesel 160d uh, I, I buy this truck for two grand, uh, and I, I got it from the second owner, but the second owner bought it from the first owner that he knew for years. The guy had owned it from 81 to like 2013, it's 2014 now. Um, and I remember the guy telling me, he's like, uh, the odometer stopped at 256 in the mid 90s. So, and this guy worked at Lawrence Livermore Labs, and like, yeah. So, the truck probably had a half million miles on it. It was a, you know, but it was a rabbit truck, and I, uh, I'd had an ALH swapped uh, rusty rabbit, the the action attack rabbit. Uh, before that, <laughs> and I love Mark ones, and so this is my second Mark one. Now I own this blue plate. Uh, OG Fresno rust free uh, Lego blue eight one six D caddy, uh, and so I I drive up to Randy's. I change the transmission fluid. I change the engine oil. Uh, I tell Randy I'm gonna be back in a few days. So four speed or five speed? Five speed. Nice. Yeah, it's a big deal. It doesn't pull. <laughs> it's a big deal. Oh yeah, it's a big deal on a Randy. It actually is, but it's the dude. If you've never driven a one six D rabbit, I mean you. You haven't lived, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I I, uh, I rolled out of Randy's, uh, went up to the Redwoods. Um, uh, I got up to I got up to Eureka, and I met the Redwoods, and I slept in the bed of the truck. And I like when I went to bed, it was like a reasonable temperature, and uh, you know, didn't seem like a bad decision. And I wake <laughs> up at like three in the morning, just literally soaked i'm on the i'm on the coast of you know oh yeah i'm on the california coast and the night 
you know, blows in and then I'm, I'm like soaked to the bone. I'm freezing and I get it's in the truck. spray. I get in the truck and I try to start it and it won't start. Uh, and I'm like, oh, great. So uh, I almost died from hypothermia that night again. Uh, <laughs> I wake up at sunrise and I go for like this hike through the redwoods, which is just awesome. Yep. Uh, you got to go. You haven't been. That's that's of all the places I've been in the United States. Redwoods probably number one as a destination, like a thing you gotta see. Um, and there's places to go in the redwoods that aren't jammed with people. There are places you can go. Yeah, and the be redwoods alone. is an expansive yeah. area. Yeah, you can uh, be a, you can be alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I managed to. It warms up in the morning. Apparently, the glow plugs don't work in that truck, so they get it to start uh, once it warms up in the morning and. Head back to Randy's and, you know, I, I'm like, all right, I trust this truck. I load my XR in it and I leave Modesto and I go up through Tahoe and the 16D going through the mountains, it'll, it'll maybe do 15 in second gear to the wood. You know, you're just, Jesus. yeah, it's, it's it, whatever. And so I decided to go across uh, Nevada. I decided to take 50, which is like the loneliest road the in America. Loneliest road in America. That's one of my favorite places. It really is. It, yeah, it's a super dope. It's a super dope road. Um, you know, and rabbit trucks driving great. Bikes in the back. We're we're fucking set. And my next destination. Things were going too well. I I feel like. No, no. My next I feel destination. Like the narrator is, comes <laughs> in. And then Brandon had another bad experience. <laughs> no, my next destination's Moab. Hypothermia was just around the corner <laughs> again. No, I made it to Moab, no problems. And I check into the Lazy Lizard. Uh, it's a hostel, and I rent a cabin, and I unload my bike, and there's pretty, you know, it's hostel scene. There's a bunch of people hanging out. Uh, that was really funny. There was a uh, there was a kid that had been tripping on LSD for like a month straight who said he was going to write the next great American novel. That guy was interesting. There was a kid that had <laughs> fled his hometown for some reason out of California, and he had a guitar with him. He was a nice guy. I ended up giving him a ride to Denver. Uh, and then there was these two fucking East Coast gangbanger dudes that were dressed like fucking straight up East Coast rapper dudes. And that night we're at the Lazy Lizard and uh, they're passing a joint around and I hit this joint and I'm like, what the fuck? It was like weird. I'm like, that was weird. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm like, what was that? And they're like, the guy it is so fucking funny. It's just straight up like gang. You're like, why are you in Moab? Why is an East Coast gangbanger in Moab? And uh, and he goes, oh, you ain't never had a woo banger before? And I go, a woo banger. What the fuck's a woo banger? And he goes, that's when you sprinkle a little of that cocaine on that joint. And I go, well, why is it called a woo banger? He's like, you didn't notice? When you hit it right, everything goes, oh, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> <laughs> and these guys, I'm like, why are you here? And they're well, like, did it go woo, 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 woo? Oh, yeah, it went woo, yeah, okay. definitely. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you guys even here? And they're like, she got a little hot back at home. We had to skip out for a little bit and you're like oh so these guys probably murdered somebody and you're like but at this point you're like fuck it there's no How risk yeah. yeah there's no issues anymore you know you just dude after what happened <laughs> in mexico you're i mean i was so relaxed at this point you're a little too relaxed so uh you know moab uh, another place that's just an infinite playground uh so i ride around moab for a couple days i go do the white rim trail which uh you know if, with this trooper and anybody that's like you want to talk about like overlanding, four by fouring, like things to do in like a not, you know, if you're not going to go do the Rubicon Trail or, you know, go do Teleco or something, 
the White Room Trail is probably one of the coolest things you can do in like a stock. You could take a stock Cherokee. You could take you mm. take your trooper. It's, hey, it, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying I'm comparing like you know between like going on dirt roads yep. to going in gnarly like Rubicon Trail shit. Right. The White Room Trail is just a hundred miles of stunningly beautiful. Uh, Colorado, uh, Utah, Mountain, Red Rocks, Colorado, fucking, uh, it's just stunningly beautiful the and whole time. And you don't time. need a built rock crawler. Yeah, so I actually, I was, I was riding on my XR, so the, the, the forestry service says it should take six to eight hours, and I did it in like two. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like halfway through it, and I run into these guys in a Subaru Forester, and they had punched a hole in their gas tank on a rock and they had dumped out their beer cooler and they had all their gas in their gas tank in their cooler and they have a hole in their gas tank and I was like what I don't know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so I gave my I had a tube of JB Weld I handed them a JB Weld tube I drank two of their beers and deuced out of there I don't know if they ever made it I don't know I wasn't gonna stick <laughs> around and find out. Yeah. yeah they were fine you know uh and yeah, I was, you know, I just had a nice time and now it's time to leave and so this guy that had the guitar uh he was on the run from something. I didn't really understand his. He didn't seem dangerous. I think he was just fleeing life, kind of like I was. And he goes, "Hey, give me a ride to Colorado Springs." And I'm like, "Sure, you know, buy some gas." He's like, "Yeah, I can buy some gas." And so me and this dude leave Moab in my rabbit truck, and he's got a guitar. And you, you own a rabbit truck. Yeah, that's it's two in dudes your chin. in a guitar don't fit in a rabbit truck, <laughs> dude. Uh, the head of the guitar is in front of your chest. It's out the back window. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's okay. out the back window. It's between us, vertical, out the back window. So, uh, you know, we're loaded up. We're, we're on the road again, and uh, we start the truck up, and I make it a quarter mile out of the place, and my AC compressor explodes and shreds all my belts, which I it's like, Including is that the, the timing belt? No, 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 just the, just the, the, the V-belts. The, the okay. But you go, is that the luckiest thing that's ever happened or the unluckiest thing? Because I just did 50, The Loneliest Road in America, and coasted into Moab, zero problems, and then and then a quarter mile out of Moab, my my, you know, with this dude. That were you unsure of this guy a little bit? No, no? I no, I'm okay. dude. Again, we're on, we're on, we're did no. There's concern, no concern. We're not. <laughs> like, you don't have an automatic weapon pointed at my chest. We're fine, dude. Who's this guy? I'll beat the shit out of you with your own guitar, motherfucker. Uh, so and. Uh, we fucking push the truck to like, you know, we, uh, there's a guy towed a Jeep towed us to a parts store and I, you know, just re-engineered the belt system, bypass the AC compressor, figure out how to make it work. Uh, and we're on the road again and yeah, take this dude to Colorado Springs and, uh, drop him off at some place. You know, you're like, I don't know. He's like, drive me off of this bar. You know, it's like, you have any idea where you're going? You know, you're like, all right, whatever. He gave me whatever, 60 bucks. Whatever, man. Uh, I stop at a buddy's house. I sleep at his house in uh, Denver and uh, stayed there for two days, hung out a little bit. And then it's uh, it's the final leg, man. Then it's that 14 hours of... It's that final 14 hours of misery of just nothing cool. It's when your wife has a total meltdown. It's when, you know, it's just <laughs> arduous. It's just... It, it, the last 10 to 14 hours from everywhere cool to Minnesota is arduous even my and 9-11 didn't want to do it i had a, a master cylinder fail in denver i drove from denver to you don't even with, need brakes no brakes you don't even need brakes <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing to is. stop there's you nothing to do yeah when you drive for like five hours 
and forget that you don't have brakes, that's always a little bit. That's <laughs> yeah, a that's a problem. That's a, a that, could, that could be a problem. One thing that I've wanted to ask you, and first of all, thank you for enshrining that story here. Yeah. Really. Thank you. It's the first time I've ever really told this story in... Nobody will ever listen to this whole motherfucker. You know, like my friends, they know oh, I they did will. it, but they won't live. Well, you know, you're not going to sit down at a bar and be like, all right, guys, oh, shut yeah, the fuck up mean. for an hour and a half or whatever. You know, you're like, <laughs> I, got, a half hour, I got a story to tell, motherfuckers. So this yeah. is one of, for the record, this is one of the best like in-person adventures I've ever heard. Raquel. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's really awesome. And one thing that I want to ask you, and I think that this is important, is this is a discussion we had last night when you were at my house, is... Having the experiences like you have are not dumb luck, right? <laughs> I, I mean, mean there, there is some luck some, for sure. You know let, let me finish. <laughs> when you're out planning a trip and you want to have experiences and you want to and you want to experience things, it isn't just well, I'm just not going to drive on the freeway. It's more than that, right? What it, can you explain what it takes to create a, a, a trip that's Going to be filled with experiences. Well, go to a cartel town in Mexico. <laughs> obviously, uh, let's, let's keep set things boiled set, down to it. You know what I mean? All right. So yeah, I'll tell you this much. Uh, it, from having done a dozen plus, you know, I've been all over, uh, done, done, and and not only just road tripping for fun. We've also I used to race dirt bikes, and uh, uh, my buddy's a a pro. And we traveled cross country with him a number of times, and people, and I've been all over the United States, and. As far as there is cool shit in every corner, every state. I just was, so uh, this last, uh, taking the pup home, um, I, I went out to Denver. Instead of going 80, I went 70, uh, which is the wrong way, uh, to my wife's chagrin. Uh, but the purpose I went, I, I was like, I'm going to go through the, the the northwestern corner of Kansas because I've taken every other route. I'm like, I had to find something I hadn't done before, even though it was out of the way. And uh, I, I, I figured, I was just like, all right, we're going to go this way. And I went on back roads through the far western side of Kansas. And it was beautiful. This, you know, it's beautiful in its own plainy way. It's a very plain, beautiful way. <laughs> uh, and I just stumbled across this fucking killer junkyard in northwestern Kansas. And I pulled over, and I mean, I dude, I was like, this is, you know. So my point is, even in fucking Kansas, Dorothy, uh, there's something cool to find. There's cool shit in literally every state, every town, everywhere. Uh, and how do you do it? How do you how do you make it interesting? Um, yeah, first step, if you're touching the interstate, you're fucked. But it isn't, you're right, it isn't that simple. You can't just not go on the interstate. It's all about... Uh, you go on, and Google Maps is such an asset to this. Before, you know, obviously you could have done this with an atlas or whatever, you know. But you go on Google Maps and you, and and you just look for towns that are in the middle of fucking nowhere. Go on Google Maps and just look and go: Is this town the most middle of nowhere fucking town? Is this the most nowhere place? Is this the most like you know? Would there be any reason for someone that doesn't live there or do business there to ever be there? Exactly, exactly, and. And, and, and in that way, you're inherently going to find cool stuff because in those towns, like, there's – you go in these little desolate towns and there are more cool cars sitting in people's backyards because, you know, people don't take them to the junkyard because there is no junkyard other than this one, you know, like – 
this stuff like that accumulates in these little towns because you know it'd be a lot of money and work to haul it out of this little ass podunk so town. So it, it just lives there, and these people live there, and there's this just this this you know uh, this this it's a small town. It's just it's the small town America, and then you show up, and you are the most interesting thing that's going on that day. And those people, when they see, you, they go, "Where are you from? What are you doing here? How'd you find this place? What do you you know?" And then you go. Wow, that Baja is really cool. My buddy Chris and I are going to come down here and try this. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it, so yeah, I mean, the the real key, uh, definitely get off the beaten path. That's that, but again, that's too simplistic. So another little, like, here's another little example. Um, I I drove this Cherokee back from Seattle. So I'm like, what road am I going to take? I'm going to take a new route. I'm going to take two. Two is the northernmost. Uh, non-freeway in, in the United States runs from Seattle to Duluth, uh, and it's pretty close. You know, it's very north, so you're in Washington. Like and yeah, it goes like through that. Glacier. Yep. So I get on to out of Seattle, and I'm um, having a good time. But it's it, it's an it's a it's a better than average road, but it's not the most amazing. So I get into Montana, and I'm like, well, fuck it, I'm a little bored. So I just go a little more north. And I ended up taking Jeep trail, like, you know, off road. I, I probably drove a good 100, 200 miles off road, you know, gravel, not like gnarly shit, but through, you know, north, north, north Montana. It was really funny. There was a guy in the middle of fucking nowhere, had this weird, like, yurt house with like a D110 and a D90. In the, so you're like, okay, this guy's got bucks, right? He's got, a, he's got 200, you know, you're like, you're like, you look, the D110s are going for like that's a hundred thousand dollars of cars in his driveway, just sitting there in in nowhere, Montana. So, and then on the on the side of his yurt, he had "Go Away" painted on the side. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, you knocked on his door. No, no. The, the most interesting thing I found there was there was this weird sign in the middle of nowhere that said "Don't pick mushrooms," and it had Vietnamese on it. And I was like, so they have okay. a real Vietnamese problem. The Vietnamese are coming to Montana and picking all our mushrooms. You're like, what the fuck, man? One thing that I found, in, and I think it kind of is in the vein that you're talking about, is I like to look at the the, the transportation system, at least in the United States, as, as as basically a tree, right? So you have the interstates are the trunk of the tree. And then you have you know the federal highways, state highways. And if you keep getting onto like smaller and smaller roads, you can continue to branch off and end up on roads like you like you like to drive on. You can continue to be like that road. And you can do this by looking at the map too. Freeway, federal road, state road, county road, yeah. local road, forest road. I mean, it, you can break it down it like that. It descends for sure, yeah. yeah. And then you can use that as kind of like a guideline to be like you can follow the roads and find, you know, more interesting So no, maybe another little tip for people that aren't as seasoned, uh, if if you're if you're comfortable on the freeway, go on the highways. If you're if you're if you're comfortable on the highways, go on the byways. And you know, just you gotta keep keep your toe in you it. You keep pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. You know, maybe you don't step off the map into Mexico and go to a cartel town, but <laughs> at the very least, you can you you can go on a two lane. You know, you're speaking you're, my language, yeah. man. And, and and if and if you can go on a two lane, you can go on a forest road because. Even if you break down again, you got a gallon of water. You if you die with a gallon of water in in America, you're an idiot. I'm sorry, that's just the <laughs> truth. You know, right. there's no you can walk a hundred miles. You, you're never that far away from anything. So you know, again, so that I I go through this 
very, uh, I, you know, I hop off to into Northern Montana and I take these Jeep trails and, uh, how do you navigate on these roads? Well, you know, we're heading east, so you just take roads that generally head east. And sometimes it's a mistake. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, itself, yeah. Don't run out of gas. Yeah, Don't be a to- you know, you know. Take a little I've personal responsibility. Figure times. it out. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I took this great route. I dump into Glacier, and uh, I, I I had a steak dinner. It was awesome. I had this killer day in Montana, driving these killer roads in this great '87 Cherokee. I'm having a great fucking time. I go have a steak dinner. Uh, I, I slept in the Jeep that whole trip. No hotels. Um, clean underwear the whole time. <laughs> no, I didn't shower the whole trip. Uh, <laughs> so still probably cleaner than your underwear. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and I, 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 I'm in Glacier and I'm like, I don't know. I, all I know is it's a national park. I don't know a dick about shit. And then, uh, I know I heard about the sun road. So I go up that and that was actually, I sent you pictures of that. Yeah. I was there and I sent you pictures. We still hadn't become friends yet. Uh, like we are now. And uh uh and I'm like, this is you know, just I the Sun Road's the dopest I mean it's it's like the American Alps, man. It's it, it go there. Just go there. Just don't just go there. Um and I'm like I'm in this place and I, I end up sleeping uh on this in this park I just parked in this parking lot and I slept there. And I'm like, you know, uh I I didn't feel like I had pushed myself far enough outside of my comfort zone. You know, even doing what I'd done, it, you know, it's like, I'm a little bored, you know, it's not enough. So I wake up that morning and I'm like, oh, there's this hiking trail. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I, no. I, yeah, you're like, uh, so I'm at, I'm at this, like, uh, I'm like, it's sunrise. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go on this hiking trail. And I, I don't hike. I've never hiked. <laughs> so, uh. What are you I'm just, talking about? You're built for hiking. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So I, I'm just like, I'm going to go hike this hiking trail. Like, what, this is just walking. <laughs> I, I, was, I have friends that are really into hiking. So, like, they go, I always make fun of them because I'm like, yeah, you, you walked. Yeah, we can all walk. So <laughs> I start walking on this trail. And I may or may not have been under the influence of some substances. And... Um, like some mushrooms that you yeah, stole from no, a Vietnamese guy? No, no, no. <laughs> some, some mushrooms that I had that... The psychedelic variety, but uh, so the next thing I know, I I I just hiked down this trail and and uh, I remember this. Is, so it's the Highline Trail, and I I I just hiked down this trail and I just all of a sudden I'm like, where am I? What am I doing? Like I don't know what I like. That's not. I'm wearing steel toe work boots. This uh, is how people with gallons of water die, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no, fuck no, fuck no. So uh, I end up, I, I remember I, I was like the first one on the trail. I woke up at like four in the morning because I couldn't sleep because it was super cold. And I like hiked down this trail and these trail runner dudes, like I'm like two or three hours into this hike and these trail runner dudes show up. And I'm like, when did you guys leave? And they're like, a half hour ago, I'm like, oh fuck, and I'm like, how long is this trail? And they're like, uh, it's like eight miles or something to this chalet. I'm like, oh, a chalet, and that sounds uh, nice. Yeah, and I should also note, I'm smoking. <laughs> I'm like chain smoking, dude. So I left at four in the morning. I'm fat and out of shape and smoking and slow. And by nine, the world caught up to me, and I got a million dirty looks from a million fucking hippies with fucking just, just the dude. You've never seen dirty looks like a fucking bunch of you know. 
professional hikers passing a fat dude smoking a camel in the middle of the Highline Trail in Montana. And I remember one dude stopped me. He's like, you're not a hiker, are you? And I go, no, I've never hiked in my life. This is the first hike I've ever gone on. And he's like, well, you just happened to go on the, like, he's like, this is easily top five best hiking trails in the United States. And you're like, well, I guess I'm lucky today. So I hiked, it's like seven miles and 2,000 feet of elevation gain to the chalet. And what I didn't know at the time is you can hike past the chalet down to the sun road and hitchhike, hitchhike back to the, the place I parked. Well, I didn't know that. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, I got to turn around and go back. And I, I had... Uh, Did you make the chalet? I made it the chalet, and I had one standard-ass bottle of water, like the... Yep. You know, else, yeah. I have one standard ass bottle of water and two packs of camel menthols. <laughs> and uh, I turn around and uh, dehydration, uh, you know, uh, this, this is like a 16 mile hike and 4,000 feet elevation Again, gain. This is how people with a gallon of water. Yeah. Die. Well, I'll tell you what, here's the deal. Let me, let me tell you the straight truth of the matter is uh, I'm realizing I'm getting pretty dehydrated. And as I'm walking out, there's all these spots on these rocks where like water's like seeping out of the, the rock faces on this trail. <laughs> and I saw these like little like woodland creatures. Like, I don't know what the fuck they are. They're not squirrels. They're something different, but they were like licking these like watery rocks. And I'm like dehydrated. I've been tripping on shrooms. I've been smoking sick. So I was at one point I was literally like drinking water from this rock wall. Are you licking the rock? Yeah, wall? No, yeah, fucking hundred percent. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, could I get like a disease from this? And I'm like, ah, fuck it, it's better than dying. And I, uh, I, I ran into this Australian couple, and we hiked together for a while. And I had a, a above average level of knowledge on Australian politics because I follow this Instagram account that's Australian. And they were like, how do you know about our politics? And I'm like, well, the Batuta advocate. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so, uh, and I staggered. I mean, dude, by the time it was done, I, I was staggering, barely moving back. And I, and I like, dude, crawled back to the Jeep, 16 miles deep, <laughs> getting the Jeep, feet blisters, you know, just, just dead, dehydrated. And I hop in the Jeep and I, I cruise back to Minnesota and uh, it's another great story. And that's the real that's the real deal, man. You got to get out there. You got to do some shit because that's how you get these stories. You, if you don't go out there, if you don't jump off the map, if you don't do anything, you won't have a story to tell. Well, now I'm wondering if I should go with you because you I don't know, man. You, I, you I, uh, I'll tell you shit. what I'll tell you what I was telling Steve, you know, um, it's a mutual friend. Uh, I said, one thing I'm excited about, about this Chris thing with, uh, I want to take Chris into some deep waters because Chris, Chris is a, a go getter, get it done, make it happen. And <laughs> you'll, you do it. You know, you know, you, it, there's nothing. I don't think you couldn't do nothing if you didn't set your mind to it. Cause it, you're the, you're that kind of person. You set your mind to something and you do it. But yeah, you actually plan and think things through a little bit more. And I know I've given you a lot of shit on this little YouTube deal about you not thinking because we have a different approach to our projects and mechanics. But yep. when it comes to doing a, 
if you're gonna do like anything, you actually plan, and I don't. And I, uh, I, I'm excited to drag you into some deep waters and put <laughs> you in some uncomfortable spots because you've done a lot, you've been a lot of places, but I think I can take you to a different place that you're gonna be uncomfortable with. I'm okay with that. I yeah, think that sounds a lot that's of fun. part I, of the fun, man. Know, I think it, as we've talked about, you have to continue to push the envelope a little bit to to get that same high and get that same buzz, dude. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, dude, this is great. I've, I really uh, enjoyed it. I've really, really, I've always wanted to actually tell this story in its entirety. And it was, it's good to actually get it. Like, it's a good fucking story, man. It is. It's a it's great, a great fucking story. <laughs> and again, like I said, um, I feel, I feel honored and blessed that you chose to enshrine it here. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah. Fuck right. yeah. What have you got for us before we go, Jay? Yeah, be sure to head over to our Patreon, which is overcrestproductions.com slash drivers club. For as little as $5 a month, you can hear even more of this great content, exclusive stuff. We have access to our Discord, which is only for our Patreon Drivers Club members. And we're chatting a- on there about stuff right now. Yes, Just we are. Hanging out, chatting You were away. giving me some some crap about it on uh, earlier, about a car I shouldn't have sold. Yep. And I... I haven't even talked about my other plans. We'll have to get to that next week. Yeah. I have a lot more other plans, too. But head over to Overcrest Productions slash, no, overcrestproductions.com. There you go. Slash Drivers Club. All right, guys. That's all we have time for. Well, obviously, <laughs> Brandon, thank you. Yeah, no I know problem. I say, man. Before we leave, I, I always find myself saying thank you. You know, and again, thank you for being here and thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you guys next week. Take care.